Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. Oh, really what it was? Um, so it was going and it was like beeping. It was like... So I, th- I don't know if I have technology too close to the um, this thing. But usually like if I have a phone there, um, that'd be an issue too. But I don't know. It's a TV or, or the computer. But it was, it was only last episode. But I played it back and it sounded totally fine. So I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. But just if you hear it, I don't just... Yeah. I think it still works, but I don't hear it right now. So, um, all right, we're live. Um, Emmett, not in, let me see what, sorry, I have a cheat sheet here. Technical support engineer at No Commerce, full-time, present, since March 2023. New venture, no one is a returning guest, Emmett. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I love talking like all things techie, all things like, you're, you're very, you get a finger on the pulse, I think, than more people than I know in my life on this kind of stuff, and it always fascinates me. And I figure I talk to someone who's way smarter at it than I am, and I maybe will learn a thing or two. So, Emmett, welcome back. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, all <laughs> things tech. Let's go. <laughs> um, so, the give, give us the. Uh, I find you a lot on LinkedIn, obviously, Twitter. I'm not on Twitter as much. Um, I feel like you got a pretty good handle on a lot of tech. I think that when you kind of look at people that are in tech and people that have an understanding of tech, it's definitely its own ecosystem of people. Um, I find that I'm on the outskirts. I understand some stuff and some stuff is Greek to me. And I'm like, what is that? And then you just like, you're like, yeah, it's like a second, it's like a language, but you understand it. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're very comfortable with, with tech and where everything's kind of like. Tech products, where market stuff's heading and. AI. Yeah. We'll dive into that later. Yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about there. So, um, so give give us the last year because what I want I think it's going to give some people some, um, and again this could be some advice. You talked about working at a startup, got it got laid off a couple times. That the you know trying to get the job of like now looking at getting um, you know hired at some kind of job. Kind of give us that whole story, and maybe for some people that. Because we kind of talked about it. Like you do a lot of your work at home. Yep. You work obviously for a company that's not a local company, but you're able to have an input. You know, we're, and again, we'll dive more into the current company. Uh, but maybe people that are like, hey, I'm working in this job and I don't really care for it because. Or there's a need to work from home or that flexible schedule. That, well, that and the fact that the way that just the world is connected now, I think most people, they kind of like pull their head up and realize like there's a lot of options for you. You just have to go out and look for them. Which I feel like you have done it because you haven't like boxed yourself in a small box. You're kind of like, this is like where I'm good at and what I want to do, and my options are open. And I, I feel like having watched you from afar, you also kept your options open. And also, I feel like maybe we're a little uh, picky or choosy as to what you wanted to kind of go into. Um, so kind of explain that whole scenario and what you did. And this will make more sense once Emmett starts talking about it. I yeah. promise. <laughs> so, 
so I mean, really, um, before um, tech, it came down to, um, you know, had a job, was working evenings, um, and had my first kid and was like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, it comes down to this point where I had this thought while I was at work and it was like, when my kid goes to school and says, my dad does this, you know, as a job, like, is that something I would be like proud about having as a title, mm-hmm. which I know most titles don't matter. <laughs> you know, you are what you, um, you are what you, you know, decide to be right is, um, so basically started looking at options for ways to create a better life for my family. Mm -hmm. And it was basically like, Oh, I've done coding. I've done some front end stuff from like MySpace with HTML and CSS and styling, you know, a MySpace page back in the early two thousands. I was like, wait, people make money doing this. And then I find out that they make the average salary is like a hundred thousand dollars. And it was like, that's doable. And all you need is a laptop and internet. Mm-hmm. So there's not like, you can go to school for computer science. You can go get a degree for it. But just learning on your own at home for a couple hours a day in your free time, you can. So, yeah, like you, like whether it's YouTube or Google or just trial and error and you go through. And again, most people, I think I'm kind of maybe beat the horse to death on this, but it's the idea of like, if you don't need to go to college, college is great for people that need to go get a degree. If if you're a doctor or a lawyer where you need a... Or even if you're someone that doesn't really know and you're like, I just want to be exposed to a lot of different people in different classes and kind of maybe try to fill it out. Absolutely. If you're someone like, I don't really like what college the majors are or what what I can get, but I'm interested in X, Y, and Z. Well, go learn about X, Y, and Z and apply it. And I think... One of the things that I'm kind of coming to the realization, you know, and this, you know, for me, and I think for, you know, you kind of touched on it, things change in life, like your circumstances change, your priorities change. So like my, if you told me like, what's my wish list or goal five years ago, I would say right now it's much different than it was five years ago. Um, kind of playing in the same playground, you know, playing in the same sand, or sandbox, whatever so, that term yeah. is. Yeah, I'm play, like playing in the real estate space, but one of the things like you kind of go and you hear and you read and you watch and you listen and you know about following like whether it's your passion or something you're good at or whatever the case might be i'm not necessarily like if someone said are you good at real estate i don't know if i'm good at real estate like any better than i'd be at you know anything else i just have learned a set of skills or some principles or you know you know general um, ideas or ways of going about it that I've just molded to the real estate space. Where if you pulled me out of real estate and put me into some other other field, I could use a lot of the same guiding principles and same success habits to then take that topic. Obviously there's a learning curve to understand the nuances, but I think my learning curve and anything I went and got into, I could learn pretty quick. And you know, simple enough, like we're building out, we have a whole different platform that we're using for like our CRMs and contact manager. We had the other one for like 25 years. Right. So we get yeah. this. Now it's like a whole new interface. You're learning it. 
And a couple months ago, I was like this. I have like I haven't taken the time to learn it. Now I'm on it, and I'm like I just understand. It, it it's just as easy as the old platform. And it, it took me maybe a month of, of like using it every day, and I got it. So if you think about a learning curve, like for me to understand that in a month, and that's not like hours a day. I mean, I'm talking like just when, using when you I needed need the tool to use Correct. it. Correct. And but principles of like what caused like and then I, I start looking at this like how can I design this and how can I use it as a tool to accomplish certain things that I've learned through being in my current industry um, but then I got to the point where I'm like I I want to start developing or designing what I want my business or work career whatever to be but now I have a bigger you know with kids and with time and, and energy and like all the stuff that I have not as much the, their, um, you hear that? Yeah. I don't know what, you know what that's from? It doesn't come through like, sorry folks, this is like a little buzzing that I'm hearing. It's like, but I don't know what it is, but it doesn't come out in the, the post. Like you won't yeah. hear this on the, I just hear like this little Probably buzzing. TV. You think it's that? Probably. Yeah. Based on this or based on just the TV itself? Just the TV being on. It's weird though because last this is only the second episode. This has been on for like ten different podcasts, and this is only the second episode. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just like I'm baffled. But um, so a lot of it is the idea of designing stuff the way I want it. So I yeah. think like you looked at. I'm assuming that's kind of what drew you to what you're doing now, in a sense, even though it's something you do enjoy versus where you were. Right. You know, when you first came on the podcast, or just right. getting out of. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it, it also comes down to like, what does your ideal day look like? Mm-hmm where you can do that Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday or whatever and not get tired of it. Because I think a lot of the issues, especially now with we're coming post-pandemic and people are realizing that like the pandemic forced them into this way of doing their day that may have not been something that they liked. Mm -hmm. They're looking at their options and going, oh, well, I can go do this and go do this other thing that will give me, you know, oh, I like sleeping in till whenever. It's cool. You can do that. You find a role where you can, you know, start your day a little bit later. You're not up at the, you know, bright and early like a lot of, <laughs> you know, influencers say that you should be to get get after the day. But mm-hmm. um, I think creating that life of um, something that you don't get tired of doing is so important. Well, I think the, uh, I always look at the flexibility. I can't work for anybody. Like I just, I've gotten to the point I've worked. So I'm kind of like, uh, I think anybody that works for themselves, especially for a long period of time, like you don't know any different. Like, I'm not saying I like ego wise couldn't work for someone else. I just think I like having the flexibility to just turn around and do whatever I want. You know? And I think that part of it is like, I like that portion. And then you also pick out parts of your business that you don't like. Um, and I, you know, I'm not going to go over, you know, specific details on the air, but like there's certain things that I'm like, I really love what I do and I are things that of what I do and there's things I really hate. So it's like, okay, how can you manipulate it where you only get to experience the good? And it's not like overnight, but right. you work towards experiencing good and offloading the bad and things like that. And obviously you saw a couple of the books I'm reading and there's a lot of the information I'm just trying to gather and learn and how does that apply? Like. I understand it. I totally understand the concept. How can I apply it to my business? And how can I accomplish X, Y, and Z where most of it is changing my day-to-day to reflect a better scenario of how I want it to be? And like you said, if that means I want to come in at 
you know, eight in the morning, or if I want to come in at 11 in the morning, it doesn't matter, but it's designed how I want it to be designed. Um, and there's certain things that jump out at me as like, that's good, that's bad. But I think where it comes back to is because of the connectivity and everything that we can do, it doesn't necessarily mean you, like our business is geographically blocked, meaning I can't sell 35 minutes north of here in Canada and I can't sell 15 minutes east of here in uh, Vermont, right. but I could sell in Buffalo, which I'm not saying, but like I would, but I also would never drive to Buffalo. So I, you know, like it's based on certain factors. Like if we were stationed dead center in the state, you could say I have an hour rate of ballpark, whatever I'm willing to drive, maybe an hour radius. Exactly. But right. now I'm like, so like our radius is actually a smaller chunk, which is fine. But then I look at, I can only, my, my client base or my target market is, is limited. Yeah, you have 80,000 people in Clinton County ballpark. And then you say, okay, how many of them own a home? And that gets shrunk down. Like how you many, might be talking. How many people are selling a home? That gets, that number gets. Correct. So <laughs> like in our, in our market, like our market in general, like we probably have, so real estate, there's a buying side and a selling side. So there might only be like say 700 sales throughout the year times two ballpark 1400. We have an over, we have way too many agents. We have like 170 agents. So you have 170 agents making up 1400 deals. Now granted, it's not all equal. It's 80, 20 principle, 20% of yeah, all your business. Yeah. And that's so you would really argue like 30, 30 of our agents locally do a majority of the business. And, but if you look at that, it's like, okay, our market is extremely saturated, which I hate. I hate that part of the business. I've been able to navigate it well and have it work in my advantage. Um, just because of hard work and getting, you know, to a certain point, but I don't like the fact that like, same thing, like our business tip, the problem with, and I heard this pricing thing, um, this, uh, you know, Doug, but, uh, but Dorf. Yeah. So Doug had this presentation, um, which I thought was good. It was on pricing. And he said a couple of examples and he pulled up on the screen. He goes, okay, here's four different price points. What's the price point of one of the examples was a sleeve of tennis balls. And it was like four something, three something, two something, seven something. And everybody in the class was like, uh, and you picked around. Nobody really knew what it was. Right. And then another example was, he goes, what's the cost of gas right now? And he put four up. Everybody was like, that's how much it is. Because he goes, there's different industries of pricing. Some people understand pricing. And like, if you told me how much does this cost, I would have no clue off the top of my mind. Right. If you said, how much does a regular cup of coffee cost? I'm probably going to be in the, like that high two, low three mark. But I know it's not $10. It's not a dollar. Like it's in that ballpark. Problem with real estate, we fall more in the gas than we do in the tennis ball scenario. Because people have this perception, even though- of This is what a house costs in my market. Well, not not even that, but like the commission aspect. So oh, like our right. market's like, okay, commission, even though legally there's no standard commission, legally it's negotiable, legally all this stuff. The problem is the perception of most people is like, this is the price. And I'm always like, how do I, have I've been doing this for, I think 13 years now, and I've done hundreds of transactions is my skill set is getting paid the same as someone that is getting their first listing in our business because it's very tough for me to say I'm charging more than that person or vice versa because it's so blanketed in this this like even this though you price. have 13 15 years more experience than somebody yeah. just got their license like if yeah. I if I went through and I said okay the better agents in our market 
they are now at a different level. So to work with those agents, you have to pay a premium to work with better agents because they've earned it. They understand they have a lot more knowledge, but our industry is, this is one thing I dislike is like our industry is kind of in this box of like, this is what it costs. Cause then all of a sudden, if you go higher and people are like, no, 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 I'm not going to use you. But then you're like, but you're going to give the money to this person who doesn't doesn't have as much. I'm not saying they're a bad agent, but may not have as all the skill set. Where someone in a different or like field, you could say, well, you're paying a premium because they're more skilled, more years, whatever. So that's something I also dislike about our industry is that no matter what skill set, it's like the ceiling on pricing. Because there's so many options, people right. are like, "Well, I'll go with another one of the other 150 because they're charging me a little bit less." And that in our and that's the problem in our business is everybody's wired like that. So what I'm getting at is like when you're designing stuff around, you know, in certain demographics and certain businesses, like those are things like I would dislike. So in my head, I'm like, how do you how do we find ways around this? Right. Um, where like in the tech space. Do you find there's as much limitations on that kind of stuff, or do you find that it's more open ended? I mean, it, kind of like the gas price scenario, the tennis ball scenario. Yeah, I mean, it all it also comes down to like what, um, you know, you may you may start using a product that's you know say ten dollars a month, mm-hmm. and you go, okay, this is pretty good, and then then you have an issue, then you need to reach out to support. What if their support's terrible? Mm-hmm. Like they never answer your questions, they never get back to you. You still have this so issue. It's an Autobot, or is it... an, an Autobot, or just they just straight up don't ignore you, ignore you, or don't have time to get, or they're so busy they don't have time to get back to you to make that mm-hmm. to build that connection with your customers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you find a product that's you know even like a hundred dollars a month, but their support is incredible. Like as soon as you hit, you know. You'll have people go to that hundred dollar product just because the the product may not be, you know, maybe a little bit worse than the ten dollar a month product, but if the support and the people there to help you with your problems are responsive, like there's people that will jump for that hundred dollar product because it just makes their life easier. It's convenience. It's convenience. It saves time. It saves time, and you're gonna. Um, I'm coming around now to like. Thinking like in personal life is like, where can we spend a little extra money to take some of the things off our plate Mm -hmm. to make it so it's like, we don't have to just, we don't have to think about it. So that, uh, that book I, that was on my desk, the buyback time book, Yeah, he goes into that pretty hard. And I think it's, it's pretty fascinating stuff. So he goes into that pretty hard and it's like. I, he even goes down to he has a house manager because what most people think about when they think about offloading stuff, and he talks about it, it's like you think naturally you think your business, but he goes, how many things do you have just in your day to day that just take up time, either stresses you out or takes up time or you're not good at or whatever the case might be. Right. And he said, I got a house manager, like they pick up groceries, they, they you know, wash our, bring our cars, get our cars washed, they pay our bills, they do like all the stuff that everybody has to do in their life but it's the stuff that takes up time so like i'm even looking at the same like what what jumps out as you to you either from a home or professional thing where you're like this would be something i would love to outsource no i mean there's a you know dad of three kids the laundry never Mm -hmm. (laughs) laundry is an ever going battle yeah right um 
yard maintenance. Yep. Um, I've known, I know people that have personal chefs mm-hmm. that come in and cook their, you know, they bulk cook for them for the week and then that's what they eat for the week and saves on groceries. It saves on time to think of what are we going to have for dinner tonight? That decision right there, every night at like 4.30, I'm like, mm-hmm. what are we doing for dinner? Would that be your biggest one? <clears throat> no. No, I, I mean, it's a big one, but I, I don't think that's the, like the biggest one that is probably... I mean, it's like gro- groceries and what's for dinner is like. Well, I think I'd be the same. If you said, which one could you outsource? Lawn maintenance. This is the thing with lawn maintenance. I don't physically mind doing it. It's just. You have time though? But that's the thing. It's like, oh, I got to take the time to go do it. Where if I could say I could offload it, but then the other two things I'm going to end up doing are I'm chilling at home, either with the kids or I'm doing something I prefer to do or all else fails. I can. Uh oh. Well, would you bring it in? Here. Which one is it? Is it? It's the one they had at Mickey's. Oh, it is? Yeah, I would drink it slow. Oh, is this the double? Thank you. Did you get one for yourself? Yes. Okay. Did you get two for yourself? No, there's one in the fridge for you for your later. Okay. Thank you. Um, shout out to Jen. Um, so. Oh, yeah, this is the one I saw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, so, but basically when you end up, um, I would say the food thing is probably the one that, like we had someone, it's not every day, we usually do once a week and they bring food once a week and what I found is like, okay, they bring food, A, it's good. Yeah. So that's obviously number one, like it's not a bad food, so it's good food. Number two, she typically will drop it off at her house Every once in a while, we'll pick it up there. But if we really wanted to, she would drop it off every time. Just depends on where we are. So she'll drop it off. So then I look at, okay, that's number one. So one, it tastes good. Two, it's delivered to us. There's no meal prep. No di- no, no cleanup. No very cleanup. minimal cleanup. Well, it, it's it's plate silverware forks. Yes, it's very yeah. minimal. There's no cooking stuff. Like worst case, you take it out of like a big like um, – you know, a like a serving hotel, like tray. A hotel pen, yeah. yeah, like a serving yeah. tray and you put it in just like smaller Tupperware and put it in the fridge. Like that's yeah. the extent of it at the end of the day. Easy cleanup, easy, tastes good, easy to eat. The other thing is that food, at least in our family because the kids are young right now, that food will last us easily three days. So okay. as long as you don't mind eating leftovers, which I, I don't care. I grew up just okay. eating leftovers. Um, I will bring that to lunch the next day. I'll have it the following day for dinner and maybe I'll get one more lunch out of it on the third day. And this is like with me and my wife both chipping away at this. So I look at that. The but price that's three includes. Days, that's three days worth of mental Also, energy. you don't have to get the groceries for that. Because like it's right. all done. It's just right. like. So when you, you box it up in my head, it's like in theory, instead of saying like, no, no, we got to cook. It's something you have to cook, blah, blah, blah. Because you just think society wise looks down on you if you don't cook. Or, or to make or to take your Sunday, make that meal mm-hmm. the same size portion. Then do all of that cleanup Sunday night. Your Sunday's spent. Yeah. Well, I, and this is like, I like cooking. And I, I, like, for me, if it was like Sunday and I want to grill or cook or do something and I had like, I feel like that's, di- that's different though. It's, but like, it's, it's the mental a, energy of like, this is food for the week. Yeah. Right. Or, or I get home today on like a Thursday and I'm like, 
oh, like, oh, have you, did you cook? No. Okay, what do we want to try to do? And you throw something together. And, and you're right. It goes from it's now 5 o'clock and you wrap up in 7, you know, maybe because you're cleaning up and stuff. And we have kids, so it's like even more advanced. Well, They're not putting well, their own six, dishes away. 6.30 shows up. No dinner. No mm-hmm. dinner yet. Well... Yeah, you got bedtime. You got you know all of that stuff. Now everything's getting pushed back, and so in my mind, that would be number one because it's every day. Yard work I look at too as I don't really care to do it. Um, Also, bigs on how big your property is and all that, but like in my mind, mine's under an acre, but it's it's enough where you got to like mow it and like right now I got grubs and I'm like putting grub seed out, and in my head I'm like. One, I don't understand yard stuff enough. Like if I if I could have someone maintain my yard all year, meaning you come up and you put the regular seed when it should be in, you put the, the stuff on the hedges when it should be, because I putting I, green in the backyard and yeah, exactly. maintain it to <laughs> water extra, and cut it with clippers. Um, but it, as you go through, like that would be something because someone has the knowledge where like my grass doesn't look dead and my shrubs, which we have really nice like a hedgerow, doesn't look crappy. But if I like that would be number one. And then probably someone to get like do the grocery cooking. And because the food lasts for days, like you really could get away with probably it only twice a week. Twice a week. Which yeah. might be like a Monday, Wednesday, and that would get you to the weekend. And typically I find weekends are a little easier because yeah. you either you're out somewhere, you eat out, or you have more time to prep. Like when you come like we're about the same way. You get done dinner or get done work you pick the kids up you're kind of scrambling and i don't even have kids in sports or anything like that or extracurriculars but you're like evenings like you know all over the place and i find that at least my life like weekends we have more time to like prep and plan even if it's not right before the meal you could be prepping something at one in the afternoon to get ready to throw in at 4 30 and be ready for dinner and i don't find it's as bad and you're already home and you're kind of like in a more lax mood so you might be like you know, whether games on TV or listen to the radio or just talking to a spouse or something, but you're like, you're not really doing much and it's fine. Like yeah. when you get home and you're just like a million things in your mind, you know, depending on what's going on, sometimes that just feels more rushed than just like a chill thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say the food would be number one food. And then number two for me would be some type of year long maintenance, uh, which I would even say like snow blowing. Like I don't mind the act of snow blowing. I go on, I put Joe Rogan podcast on and I snow blow. Takes right. me a half hour. Like to me, it's like therapeutic, but I also it's just the act of like carving the time out to go do it. It's not the physical act of doing it. It's like, ah, oh, crap. Like it's gonna like it's gonna snow tonight. I got to get up early to make sure I you know. Or it's it's not, it's not even the like because the weather up here. You know, you you'll just wake up and. It wasn't supposed – if you weren't well, paying attention to the weather. I should say I don't pay attention to the weather. Yeah. Usually my wife's like, it's going to snow tonight. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll make sure like snowblower's ready to go. Right. But there's there's also that time where it's like you didn't think of the bad weather. You slept in for some reason. You didn't – your alarm didn't go off. And then it's like I have a meeting at 830. I can't get out of my driveway. Can't get out of my driveway yeah. at 8 o'clock. So, <laughs> you know, I, so. I, think, I think that would be the, the best one. Like, I mean, from that standpoint um, – so you would also agree the food would be number one. Food, yeah. I think just because you obviously you eat every day. I don't mow the lawn every day. So like that would be number one. Um, but I think like you said, even laundry or, or grocery or errand pickup or just random stuff. Because as crazy as it sounds, like I use it in my own business too. Like I sometimes will go out if I – I usually bring food. If I don't bring food or I don't have some lunch scheduled with somebody – 
I then have to go out and get food. And a lot of times I'll send someone from the office to get food because I'm like in the middle of a workflow and I'm like, I just don't want to go. Like I want to just, that's why I like stuff here. I can go to the bathroom quick, go down, grab my food, come back. I can do all like, I can leave my office like one time and do everything and then back in my office, eat at my desk and then I'm right into work for the afternoon. So I like minimal downtime because I like packing stuff all in. And because again, I'm trying to be way more efficient and effective. Because your time is limited. It's very limited, but one of the things I've been getting better at, um, and it doesn't, it wouldn't necessarily show, like in our business, obviously people look at like sales. Like my sales are down from last year, which were down from the year before, but I've put, I've had to put focus on certain things that aren't necessarily bringing me in business now. There, there's no positive – there's no – you're not seeing revenue being brought in by that action you did today. Currently. Currently. So what – like so this is where I kind of look at what my focus has been the last like 18 months to 24 months is as things get crazier, kids, just Sports. life. Well, just life in general. Yeah. I mean just – your time is sucked, you know. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, I can't keep up the same actions that I was doing three years ago, which resulted in very good results in my business. But I knew longevity-wise, I couldn't maintain that without ruining my health or ruining my family. Like so, it's like you had to like there was you can't a- you can't sprint the marathon. Correct, exactly. Yeah. And there was there was a there was like a a tipping point where I'm like, okay. Not that anything bad was happening, but I I could tell like Were this you feel, starting to feel a little well, something high needs to anxiety change. and yeah. stuff and like things are just too crazy. But I also was like, okay, some things got to change because this trajectory is not going to end well. And I and it wasn't like I was near the peak of that. I was like very low, but I'm like, this is getting tougher and tougher and tougher. And I'm like, the only way to do it, like I'm not gonna have. I could probably do this sprint for a few months, right. but. By next quarter, I'll be like burnt out. And so I was like, that's not good either. So then I was like, okay, what do I got to do? So I've been focusing on not the amount of hours, but more on the, like focusing on the right stuff. The the core tasks. The main priorities, the main like essential things I should do that, but right now those don't necessarily equal like a production dollar revenue standpoint one for one what they're doing is they're building they're building out for me systems processes automation you know a lot of leveraged activity that's going to like that guy buy my time back so now i can go even harder but i can go harder with a much more effective efficient system which will then give me, I won't have to work as many hours as I did before. I'll probably work a quarter of those hours, but I will be at the same level or better than where I was before. But what I've done is I'm putting a lot of emphasis on my input now leading to time back and leading to having more freedom of time. Because then once that happens, which if it all works out, we're we're getting close to it, that, that time that I'm now able to build back into my existence and have free are going to go into direct revenue generation or higher level generation. So when I look at 
how you're building that system out. So it's like what you put focus on too. So like, I think that's the that's the big different that's the big difference now from a few years ago. Yeah. But it's like taking a step back to build out something to go up to like the next level. I'm hoping that's yeah. the case, and it should be. But it's, it's the same thing. It's like sometimes you just have to like pause, step back, and almost like step off stage kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Do much work and then come back. Well, there's a whole there's this whole saying in tech where it was um, slow is fast, mm-hmm. which is counterintuitive but it means like there are times where you have to go there are times where you have to sprint right do you want some or no no hold on um so you know there's times where you have to sprint and have to get you know a whole bunch of tasks done that are all time sensitive they have to get done by friday okay they're gonna get done by friday mm-hmm. But then when you have this time to look back and go, where are we going to be in, you know, 12 to 18 months? I need to take these next three months and focus on processes Mm -hmm. and how I'm doing my day-to-day. Do that audit of, oh, I'm spending, you know, you're spending time stuck in traffic or whatever, you know. It's like that's, that's time you don't get back. And... Or if you're doing stuff that you absolutely can't stand doing, food, <laughs> laundry, yard work, mm-hmm. it's like if I could get that hour back to go do a task that in six months is going to pay for you know a year's worth of landscaping and food delivery. Yeah, absolutely. Then sometimes you have to slow down and look at what you're doing every day and look at... Um, you know, where are you spending your time? Where can I make changes? And then hopefully those changes that you make are, you know, ROI positive. Yeah. Um, well, I think, um, like, I kind of, one of the things I had down that's, and obviously this can go way more drastic, but I look a lot at, like, the 80-20 principle, and I look a lot at, like, in our business, when you start off, you work a disproportionate amount of hours to what you get paid when you first start off. It's commission-based, you're hustling, you're like doing a lot of work for no money and you're building up some like, you know, industry industry, uh, currency kind of, like social currency, like you to build your name up and things. And then you finally get to a tipping point where your actual out or input to the business, you get paid way more than you put in at a certain point. Takes a long time to get to that level. So my thought is like, okay, how do because and then you get to the point where you kind of get to that level, and that's where I was. I was like, okay, this is great, but two things are going to happen. The biggest one being, I'm just going to be bored, silly, which I know sounds bad, but if I, I like, I like building onto stuff. So when you get to a certain point, and you're like, I kind of t- tap this out. Like I really can't improve on this. I can't work more hours. I really can't produce more in that time. Uh, I mean, I could, but with the current systems, I couldn't. Right. So that's when I was like, okay, now it gets fun. It's risky, and, but it's fun. It's like, because you're building it. It's like, how can you then keep adding the X to your the output? So in this case, maybe revenue or, or whatever that N unit is. How do you keep you know multiplying that, but then your input, your hours in, 
keep decreasing. So my my thought now is how do I go from maybe working 40 hours for something down to how do I work 30 hours a week, but now that what I'm producing or my revenue is double, how do I go down to 20 hours and now that is now double and how do I go down to 10 hours or less a week, but now like that output's now double on top of that. So now, now I'm making 8x the output, but I'm putting in one-fourth the input, something along those lines. Right. That's where I'm really trying to work right now, not because I want to work a few hours a week and not do anything, but I'm like, I want to either, because again, I'll be bored, I, I want to spend that time with my family, or I want to turn around and take that, t- or spend my time with my family, but then instead of working all those hours, try to build something you else with those hours. do something else, right. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. that's like my... Where I don't want to stop the building process because it's fun, because it's like a puzzle. Right. And it keeps, I feel like you're the same way. It keeps you thinking. If you didn't think, you'd be bored. Right. You want to challenge. So, but I look at at the framework of like, you have to take a step back, redo some systems, break some, like the models have to change in your systems and processes and everything else. But the ultimate goal is like effectiveness and efficiency. So I'm working on the right things. I'm being, and I'm working on the right things efficiently knowing that those are going to have the biggest output versus like you know sometimes like email stuff or something like i've checked my email once today and i've gotten better at that like i check my i check my email once a day just because i i like i mean you'll, you'll see that like nothing's there and that's an inbox zero yeah that's, uh... and i and i used to never get that and i have that 90 percent of my day is inbox zero because i just i i go through everything that will pop up i'll look at it once a day i delete everything and then I take care of what I need to take care of. And 99% of the time, most email is not urgent. So right. like to me, it's like you do it at one shot and I can usually get through all my emails in like 20 minutes a day if that. Right. But I don't have the task switching. So it's like- But in, that, that took you how long to get there? Oh, a while. But it started to get to the overwhelming part where it wasn't just the email, but it was like everything. So it's like, does that buy me back time? Well, it buys me back the task switching. It buys me back- Every time you look at the email and check it, you're now taken away from something else, yeah. task switching. So I'm like, if I just do it 20 minutes a day, well, it's true 20 minutes. It's like dive in, go through everything, completely fish it all, like finish it all out, and then I'm out. Close the tab. And 20 minutes yeah. I've gone, and that's my day, and then I'll do it again tomorrow. Because again, I haven't gotten in trouble with not responding to an email that came in two hours ago. Right. But it, like, it really is not in our. I've learned in our business, 99% of problems in our business are self-fabricated by individuals because they're, they have, they're not patient right? or they're unrealistic. And they, they ex- I mean, you're, you're selling houses. It's not like, it's not like going to the store and buying dinner, right? Well, it's not like you're, I'm, I'm pr- producing surgery on someone like, right. So, but I also look at. In our business, majority of problems in our business that people complain or, or whatever about is in the closing process. The closing process is a very bank attorney driven process. Banks and attorneys close shop at four thirty five o'clock every day. So if I'm re- getting emails at six, seven, eight o'clock at night about that, there's nothing you nothing can do until nope. the next day. And oh, it's a bank holiday tomorrow. So guess what? You, that 6 p.m. email. Well, I, I mean, and then this is also, I mean, we have leverage in the sense that we have a full-time staff person that takes care of closing stuff. So like I'm also 
leveraging out via people, but also leveraging out with just attention. But, but even just a time thing, you get an email at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. the day before a bank holiday, wondering if when this is closing, you're not going to know until that bank holiday is over. Yeah. and So it, you're, you're talking 48 hours later before you even that email really even matters. Well, like, uh, so Friday afternoon, I paused my inbox till Sunday morning at nine. So it was almost 48 hours. Like nothing came to my inbox blocked, right. which is what it is right now. And I only do it because Sunday morning I, I plan my week out. So right. I like break everything down. I, I, what's the most important things I do this week. And I just, that's, I have a whole system on Sundays that I do. So I usually unpause my inbox. because I want to see everything that comes in so I can just purge through it really quick, get it out. And then I can organize my week and say, okay, I'm good. Basically a reset button. Let's go into Monday. Um, and then I had no phone, like two thirds of the day, Sunday, I just left my phone in my room the entire day. And I read a hundred pages of a book. I hung out with my kids. I did a bunch of stuff. None of it involving any outside stuff from the outside world which on a sunday is nothing right which is great or nothing urgent and then you look at your phone at the end of the day and it's like a couple messages and a couple things none of them urgent like so i mean it's just but a lot of it is just putting those boundaries out um so that's what something i'm really into now is like how do i simplify my life but design it in a way that i can really work on stuff i want to work on not just well, because moving it, for the sake of moving. If you had notifications on your email, mm-hmm. right, on, sound on, all of this stuff, same thing with your phone. If you had every phone notification mm-hmm. turned on your phone, you would be looking at your phone 90% of the day. Yep. Because your text messages, your emails, your social media, your all of that stuff, every every comment you get on social media, if you had an, an alert for that, yeah, you're, you're stuck on your phone. And when is, you know, this core work that we're trying to get done... I uh, I think you can you you would know you have an Apple yeah um can't do you not s- disturb I, well mine I always put on that yeah. which some people don't like because it goes right to voicemail but like right now so right now it's on do not disturb and I got seven text messages um so but I look at like I haven't heard any of them come in but if you go down here like do not disturb you can set these where they only show certain apps right yeah. So I got to get better at that. So you, you could set it to just be only let only let my, you know. You mean like favorites? Yeah, you could have it just so oh. just so your like your spouse is the only one that can call you during I, I, these times. I have that. So I have a very small list of people on this list. Like it's family, very close like I have 7 people on here, 8 people I have eight people on here that minus my immediate family that could call through. It's a very small group, and those people typically don't call me all the time. So it's not and, like and if they do, it's a big deal, and you're going to pick up. Or it's just a really good, right. like, close friend of mine that I'm like, "Hey, what's up, man?" Like, you know, right. and and it's really like a call that I can also be like, "Okay, I got to get off the phone," right? If I had to, you know. But there's certain people that like you like talking to during the day. So I would say most of the people I would love to have call me during the day and talk to me are on my favorites. Right. But it's like the app stuff. So even if you get pulled into checking you open Facebook in, you or open Instagram. Instagram once to see how that posted. And yeah. then And you can get sucked in. Then you can get sucked in. So you can set time limits for that. So you could be like 
I'm going to let myself scroll Instagram for 10 minutes a day. The minute that 10 minutes is up, it locks you out of the app. And then next time you open it, it goes, nope, it's not going to It pop up, shows up. You've hit your limit. So I don't, do you scroll a lot? I mean, you're on like, obviously like LinkedIn throughout the day and stuff. But do LinkedIn, you fi- Twitter. Yeah. Do you There's... find that you're sucked into that a lot where you scroll or, or consume a lot? I, I consume a lot, but it's also, I also view it as networking. Yep. Which is very hard to put a a limit on because, as we both know, like you never know where a conversation on online or in person is going to bleed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're a prime example too. Yeah, it's it's li- it's literally like like am I on social too much? Probably, but I view it as ways that will build your career if you do it carefully. So so what's your main one that you're on? Is it more Twitter? It's m- more Twitter. How, um, how's Twitter different? So when Twitter first came out, when was Twitter? 05, 06? Uh, something like that. I first got on Twitter, I'm going to say sometime maybe around 2000... 10, 11, somewhere in that range. Okay. Um, still, still pretty early days. Still pretty Twitter. early. Yeah. Maybe even nine, but I think it was like, let's say 2010, 11. And I was pretty active on it. And I ended up falling out of it. I forgot what year, but I started to get out of it when it was more, I found that a lot of the posts were like shared posts. And I just got to the point where like, if I'm following 300 accounts, I want it just to come from those 300 accounts. Mm. And like if if you shared something, that's fine, you know, but then I found like if I was getting like... You were seeing stuff that from people you didn't follow and... And it it got too much. Yeah. And I was trying like... And that's what I find a lot on on Instagram too. You start to get these sponsored, these posts. Everything sponsored, everything's ad-based. Or suggested posts. Yeah. And I don't know how many times I've gone on and deleted like don't show me suggested posts and the next hour I have suggested it doesn't go away but I find if I'm following if I'm actually following people or or businesses or pages or whatever I only want to see the content from those people so so there are a few apps probably people you don't follow are on them but there's a thing called Mastodon which is like Twitter okay but your control there's no algorithm so it just shows posts of the people you follow and there's no ads. So are you on that or just Twitter? So I'm on that. I'm on Twitter, Mastodon, and then Jack Dorsey, the mm-hmm. C- original CEO of Twitter yep. started this new thing called blue sky, which is an, er- it's a Twitter clone. Okay. Um, right now it's invite only. Um, but right. It's, it's an interesting time because Twitter has had, a rough six to 12 months um, since Elon has taken over. Um, and there is, it's just really interesting. Um, but I totally agree with you. Like seeing, like, I don't want to see ads for products I don't care about just because it's a sponsored post that somebody like, if I'm not interested in, I don't want to see it. 
when I, I come from the business space, like that's that's just going to happen with anything. Anything that starts off free is the it, they're going to go to sponsors. It's just matter absolutely, of absolutely. Um, I just got to the point like I scroll. I don't scroll that often on on stuff. Like I've gotten even better away from. There, there's a couple months ago, I'd say probably two months ago, I was going on and I'd open up Instagram and I would scroll down through, not long. I mean, I'd scroll down for 30 seconds tops. But in that 30 seconds, it'd be like three or four posts. I'm like, oh, what's this? And I'm thinking it's from a page I follow. And then I look at it and, and it took me a, a second to say like Vince had like well, the follow. A, right. But it, was, it was just suggested posts. And then I, and I didn't catch it at first. I just kept watching. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why am I... Get like I keep watching these like why I just find that I'm watching more like random little videos than I ever have in my life and then I realize I'm like oh these aren't even stuff I'm following it might be the same genre it might be a golf thing or might be you know it's a it's a golf creator that somehow is linked to a yeah PGA video you watch or I follow you know I follow you know some business person and next thing you know I'm getting these weird business ads and sometimes they're good they lead you to people that you've never heard of but more times than not, it's like I no, I don't actually want to. You're that. you're better at controlling the algorithm for stuff you want to see than an algorithm. Yes, and and I'm not saying the algorithm's bad. Like if you open it up, there's like a lot of golf stuff. Like it's right. I just it's something that I like looking at. Or there's a lot of business stuff too. I have a lot of like Ray Dalio, and you'll have like mm-hmm. you know real estate guys, and then you'll have Tim Ferriss, and then you'll have Dan Martell. Like you have all these people that are on there. And in my head, I'm like, I just want to see, like, I actually did a purge down to like, I probably took off 80% of the things I was following. And honestly, I got to go, like, I would love to get down to like 50. Right. And it's like, what do I actually like value if it comes through? And like, if I saw that person's post or not, would it, and some of it's research. I follow a couple of real estate people purely for, for research and for just like being aware. Keeping your, right. Not that I'm doing it or want to do it or really even care about that person. It's just like I respect what they're doing and I want to see kind of how they're doing and can I replicate it on a like on our level versus like something in New York City or L.A. Right. or something. Absolutely, right. So I have some of those where I'm like I really don't care to follow it, but I need to well, – I don't need to. But, but I mean that's sort of that's sort of me with with Twitter and, probably a lot and, of stuff and, and LinkedIn is like there's a new tech framework coming out every six weeks. And it's like, oh, well, that's neat. And then not necessarily that I'm going to go build my next thing or project in this new tech, but it's like, that's available. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's like learning about tools, right? Like what tools are out there to help my job become easier? And also it comes through with like, also just supporting the people that are building these new, you know, these new tech frameworks or these new companies or products it's like if you support them eventually when you need help or they hire mm-hmm. they're gonna go oh this person's been following me from the beginning let's bring them into the team you know it's um it comes down to a lot of like it's back to the networking it's like yes you're yes yes it looks like i'm just scrolling on my phone but if i'm having conversations that get me a job in six months or a year that's double my current salary that's a win absolutely and that's um that's exactly sort of how that's where i am now what do you think um so 
since since how many different startups have you been at? Um, and is the one you currently at considered that, or you think they're a little more established? Um, so it, it's technically technically two startups. Um, I would say No Commerce is startup, but they got acquired last year. Okay. Um, but it's still sort of startup mentality. We're eleven people. Um, so small team doing big things. Um, but yeah, I mean, startups are hard because it comes down to, there's really two ways to build a tech business. It's bootstrap where you're using your own money or you get venture capital. You get an investor to invest. Take a chance. VC. VC. Yeah. And take a, you know. But then it's also... But you're giving up equity, right? You're giving up equity, but it's... You're giving up equity in some some crazy stat. It's like 95% of startups fail. So, like, the VC is probably going to lose their money. But it's one of those things. It's like, one, do you have do you have the skills to do it yourself? Can you do the mark? Can you do the marketing, the design, and build the product? If you can do that while you work another job, right? Mm-hmm. And it can become a side hustle. There's this whole community called Indie Hackers, which is independent software builders that build really incredible businesses that have like there's an enough number, right? which is an interesting thing when you think about business. You think about hustling and making millions of dollars and revenue and all this stuff, but it's like it comes back to if I can build a product that people will pay for and I can get down to a way to where I work, you know, 20 hours a week on it and then go do whatever else I want to have that space of breath of like, yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to go take you know, take today off cuz there's some event happening and I can do that. Um that's another way. Um and I think boots bootstrapping is a really um interesting way of building a business. I mean, I I think the uh like in a different realm cuz I've never been like a startup kind of thing. You've been running you know, business and trying to improve it and do stuff. And I'd say a lot of it's like kind of grassroots and like not as, you know, pumping money and it's more of like effort and strategy and things like that, which I've always, um, I remember even as like a kid trying to figure stuff out, but not, I want to say like underdog, but not like, not, I want to say the favorite kind of thing. It's like a Rocky scenario. Like, Rocky yeah. like Rocky fighting Ivan Drago. Like Drago's in the state of the art thing and Rocky's running through the the snow with carrying like an oxen like board around it. You know what I mean? Like right, yeah. just like lifting wheelbarrows and like old school. Still working, not as glamorous, not as comfortable. He's not walking across and taking a shower in the state of the art locker room at this gym. He's literally going this crappy little like cabin out in the woods and he's freezing. But the people that overcome that become scrappier, become better, become whatever. Like I I think one of the things like I, I look at in our business, like I wasn't 
handed really anything in our business. Like I've, I self-taught myself, you know, and like, yes, my dad's in it, but I, I don't think, uh, I, I wasn't like handheld through the process. Right. It was very much, it was kind of like throwing you in the deep end, figure it out. If you have questions, let me know, but you're kind of on your own, like not on your own, like I'm not going to help you, but like, um, figure it out. I don't ask for help that well, or uh, I'm not good at asking for help. So I'm just like, all right, I'll just do it. Right. And I'll just learn it, which has its limitations. It works. It's like I would say it's a it's a bootstrappy kind of thing. It's like you figure it out. But I like the strategy of it. I like okay, right. I don't have all the resources. I don't have an unlimited checkbook. I don't have unlimited time. Let me see what I can do with the time I have or the money that I have. And I would say now, it's the same game, but way more. Um, or way less uh, anxiety inducing. Well, no, no, no. Way less uh, the boundaries or the pillars or the the rules of the game I'm playing now aren't as flexible as they was they were when I was a single guy with no kids. There's really no boundaries when you're a single person. Right. Like you can do whatever you want for the most part. I now don't have those. So now my thing is like the pillars that are up that are boundaries. Like you, these are, you know, here's the rules of the game, but these are three or four things that like laws that can't be broken kind of thing. Now I'm playing amongst that. So like, I feel like I'm, I've leveled up the game. Like for video game talk, right? I've like leveled up the game. So now it's harder in certain things, but because it's harder, it's making me think better and it's because I have less options. So I'm really looking at, okay, I'm now trying to figure this out, not by brute, like not ramming by, my not head against banging, the wall. Th- right, breaking the wall down. It's like sitting, thinking, processing, reflecting, trying to get it, It's to, a chess move rather correct. than rather than run at the wall. Rather and, than Red Rover run through the arms. Like, right. I'm, yeah, you're playing chess. So I'm like... So it's a lot more strategy. And I found that my strategic thinking, which I've always would consider a fairly good strong suit of mine, has leveled up because I'm having to make way more thought and thought um, provoking or whatever, thought like thought inducing uh, moves. And a lot of them are like, it's tough to explain, but they're way more mentally taxing. I didn't think this hard five years ago. Like I, and and what I'm saying is like, it was like autopilot. Like I really don't think about real estate. It doesn't take a lot of effort for me to think about it because I've been doing it for so long that you learn some little things. It's it's, it's muscle memory. Yeah. And that's all there. And that's, and that's part of anything as you grow in a career for long enough is, you know, here are the 10 tasks that you could probably do in your sleep. Um, but now it's like now when you're thinking about like infrastructure questions or like where's the next move or scalability scalability or, processes, or, yeah. or oh we need to hire people mm-hmm. it's like oh well before you're just like i'll do it i'll do that job i'll well well then from a hiring standpoint it's like okay do you want a person do you want a virtual assistant do you want ai do you want part-time do you want per diem do you want someone that's do you outsource to a third party like then you start dealing with like personalities and then you start dealing with okay 
what's the cost versus what how much can they do or, versus... or is there an application that i can purchase is there a software piece yeah that i could buy that would save me mm-hmm. you know is it a is it a software and a person piece that will level up on the software and i will just you know and their job is to use the software to give me the answers i need to get back my time yes and i think um that's that's the challenge but i i love it like it's it's very um mentally taxing but it's thought provoking and it keeps me like um like keeps me on my toes a bit where it's like okay i'm I'm learning these things and it's challenging but it's the challenge that i like because it's going to stress you out it's going to bring on some like it's just hard right like if it's easy it's easy like it's hard then it's like but i really want it kind of thing so i'm like i'm gonna basically slam my head against this problem until i figure it out or if you know but eventually it's like you keep looking at the same problem, look at the same problem, or come back to it or whatever in your different headspace and you figure it out. It's like an aha moment. Um, but the amount of even just random thoughts that I've had recently where I'm like, whoa, let me wait, let me not lose that thought. Let me write it down, let me send it to myself. Mm-hmm. And now I have it. Let me dig- like there's something to that. Let me see if I can move it around right. and how will that reflect in Or hey, I wrote down this idea twice. Yeah. Maybe there's something there, maybe I should look into it. Like I I mean, this is I call it a Sunday folder. I have so many random things in this that are like thought that I'm like, these are stuff that I want to do that might be simple or thought things like, I like how that person did it, but they're all here. And so it's kind of like a folder that I just kind of have there that I come back to every once in a while or questions where I'm like, that's a very, like one of my favorite guys is um, Tim Ferriss. And one of the questions he says in four-hour work week, but he said it before, was like, okay, say you have a bad, you know, uh, medical condition and the doctor has said you cannot work more than two hours a day. You cannot. Like, this will be bad if you work more than two hours a day. What are you doing? And what it does is it makes you think, okay, wow, okay, I only have two hours. Like, your mind instantly goes to what's the most important thing. You're not doing everything. You're doing the most essential thing. And then he goes one step further. And then he said, okay, let's say you have a really bad diagnosis and you can only work two hours a week. That's all the energy you have is two hours a week. How, what are you doing in those two hours? So then you start looking at what's the biggest way that I, that for scale, or what do I have to have in place where I only work two hours a day? It's kind of like Warren Buffett, like reads 80% of the day. I think he reads like six to eight hours a day. Right. Reads like reads reports reads you know um different uh financial reports or just reads books that's his job his job is to think and then produce something right and so then it's kind of like okay what what's the biggest like for him that's what scales him the most um so that was like some of these bigger questions that cause you to think out of the box it's like oh wow like that's i don't know like another one that he um i got it I think it was him or someone else. They said, what's your 10-year goal? And I go, okay, my 10-year goal. Think about it. Like, oh, God, I don't know. It's pretty big. Like this. And I go, okay, do it in six months. And then your mind's like, oh, wait, like what? No way. But like, what? just think about it. Like, No, it, it it's 100% true. I mean, there's the whole thing of you will fill up 80% of the time. You know, if you if we 
look back at us in college. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have this project due at the end of the semester. Oh, uh, Parkinson's Law. Yeah. Yeah, you fill the time. You you are not starting your final project day one of the semester. Mm-hmm. Would it probably be beneficial if you did? Absolutely. Yeah. But, oh, it's 11 o'clock. This thing's due at 8 a.m. the next morning. Yeah, you're going to have it done. You're going to have it done. Or if they came and told you, like, hey, Emmett, here's the project. Um, it's due tomorrow. Big, wait, what? Big, due tomorrow. Oh, it's shit. it's it's eighty percent of your grade, and guess what? You'll have it done by tomorrow, right? Because it's like pe- people will fill that time. It's just we, their deadlines. It's urgency. Is what you what you pro- like. So I'm also trying to like utilize that a little bit of like giving myself harder deadlines. Okay, like you got to edit these amount of videos, or not even edit. Like actually, back to what I want to outsource. Editing is one of the things I'm I'm looking at outsourcing coming up soon. Right. Um, but today I'm building out different things that require me to do videos. Like it requires me, like I'm the only one in the office that can do these videos. So I sit and I'm doing these screen record videos. Not very, not very, they're not polished, so one take. Like I mess up, don't care. I'm like, go. Like it's a five minute video. I'm teaching you how to do something, pause, move off. Because what I'm doing is I'm now leveraging that training, that whatever that is off my plate to buy that time back. Right. And well, that, you, you have that five-minute video when somebody goes, oh, hey, how do you get this thing into, the, you know, the spreadsheet? You go, boom, here's a video. Yeah. And that, and it works the same for blog posts. It works the same for form video where you're doing screen shares, where you're showing them how to work around a product. Mm-hmm. And, like, there there have been times where I've gone, how do I how do I code this? How do I build this little feature? Oh, here's a blog post that I wrote two years ago on how to do this. And like, you're not even, this even goes from like posting them online, sharing them. Mm-hmm. Is like, I don't know who else is getting, if one other person is getting value from something that you put out online, that's a win. And it may come back to you questioning, how do I do this thing? And then you find, oh, right, I wrote a blog post on it. You go do it and then, so like that saves you time. Well, I also like, I'm pretty resourceful in finding stuff, but what I want to get better at is like, perfect example. How do I, like, I know you've worked with like Shopify and things like that. If I'm like, how to set up a Shopify account, I can YouTube, there's probably a thousand videos on how to set up a Shopify account. I watch a bunch. I think this is good. Blah, blah, blah. Go through it. And one, I have the time. I have the energy involvement. Right. And maybe financially, if there's any financial things, most people put the time in because of the financial aspect. Right. Absolutely. But if you're like, listen, like I know Emmett can literally Emmett could have this up and running for me tomorrow. I don't have to lift a finger. I have to make a phone call or a text and he's going to be able to pull it off or whatever, whatever the timeline takes right. you to yeah. do it. But all those hours to do it, I don't have to do. So, perfect example, we've built out a bunch of processes and systems and behind-the-scenes things that are going to leverage myself and everybody else here. But I end up having to build those out. The problem with that, it was very much information-driven that I have in my head, which is tough because I can't just be like, Emmett, build this out for me. Like, sure, but like I need... 
I need your like, I, I need the the data part. I need the yes, which, the like core like if you're gonna say write a post write a blog post on the top three things you need to know about real estate in twenty twenty three if I don't know those things yes. Like I'm gonna need some information to be able to curate a post or whatever. Or this is how to like navigate some systems on the back end. Right. So like but I I couldn't just turn to some company or turn to some person and say, build this all. Like, hey, th- I want you to build out every single one of our systems, and I want you to have a whole training module in every single system that we use so it's at the f- tip of everybody's fingers and they don't have to think about it. They don't have to ask questions. It's there. Right. You, normally, you'd be like, I mean, hey, man, I can build, like, the platform out and build all the little, like, little tabs or whatever. I don't know the information to stick in there. So what happened was... I had to do the information part, which takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to, I have the information. It's a matter of pulling it out of your brain, organizing it, condensing it down and making it digestible to somebody else to take on. Being like, I'm so deep in the weeds at times, like in my brain, I'm like, okay, let me just strip this down to the basic stuff. And how do I present it where someone new or someone that is, doesn't have that knowledge base can learn it. And but that takes a lot of time. But for me, setting up a Shopify account, which doesn't take a lot of knowledge, right. in the sense of like, you don't need a lot of my knowledge to set it up. I'd be like, hey, Shopify, I want to sell this, this, and this. And I don't know, here's the products. And like, go ahead. You'd be like, boop, 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 and done. Right. But I'm saying that you took away all the time. Um, and someone said, so like, you take the time out, you take the energy capacity out, and you increase the accuracy. Accuracy right. meaning you know what you're doing and I'm hacking my way through it. And there's not a second or third iteration on, oh, we didn't do this right the first time. We have to go back. Correct. Because that, not that that doesn't happen, but you will save a lot of time if you can limit iterations. Yeah. So this is where I'm at now. It's that if I'm looking to do something, how do I get that done by not using my own time which may basically means hiring people that know what they're doing hiring out you know someone to do the work or or if it's something i need to do it's and it could be something i want to learn too right like the other day i did some electrical work at my house i could have hired it and been lazy and just i'm not going to even attempt it and hire someone out but I'm like, I've done something similar to this before, and I partly wanted to do, like, I just wanted to figure it out because it's a skill that's a good skill to have. Oh. Well, especially, especially as a, a homeowner, there's times where there's, you know, it's it's 11 o'clock at night, something goes wrong, you need to fix it by tomorrow. Yes. and I But I also like the fact of, like, working with my hands and figuring stuff out. And, there's a, and there's the, a, the problem solving, yeah. I mean, I did, yeah. I did that. Um, we had a bunch of projects at the house, like, you know, replacing the filaments on the hot water tank. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, we had some of that. And it was like, well, how do I do that? And then a couple YouTubes. And then it was like, I think I can figure that out and, yeah. and did it. And I'm not, and that goes back to like, you know, sure we were talking about outsourcing some of the stuff of like the mental drain, but these tasks where you get some final product, final outcome, it's also curiosity too. Like when you said like, can I do this or how is this done? Right. Like, right. There's, there's this reward piece, mm-hmm. like mowing the lawn just to keep the lawn mowed. That's, it's rewarding to some people. 
Yeah, but not me. Not me. No, yeah. it's like, oh, how how do you edge? How do you edge the a walkway? I don't. I don't really care. Yeah, but if it's you know, we even have to like set up a Shopify site or something. I'm like, I don't plan to do this much more in my career. So I'm just a one-off thing. I want someone that knows what they're doing to do it. Right. Because I don't really care. I don't understand. I don't understand it. I don't really want to understand it. It's like I just want it to work. Well, and it's also. I think it also comes down to like, it's not like your like financial future is tied to it either. Correct. Because you would probably take a lot more care about it if it was, oh, hey, your next venture, like the next thing you're doing to put food on the table is X. Yeah. You're going to take a lot more time to try to figure it out and learn it than... Yes. I mean, and in in, again, in this scenario, I'm looking at that. That's a one-off thing for me. Right. Like in that scenario. like, But if it was, hey, you have to get really good at helping people buying and selling homes. And I'm like, well, that's kind of the thing I have to do to make money. <laughs> then, yeah, I'm going to learn it. Like right. I'm going to like hands-on. I can't outsource how to, you know, you know, discuss with sellers the strategy of selling their home. To be honest, I have a hard time even telling that to agents because I'm like, I can tell you themes and general generalities and things I look for, but there's so many nuances that what I try to do is take, you're going to hear a bunch of stuff, but these might be, I'm, example, the five most like common themes of what you hear. Right. And you have to then decipher what's the answer you're getting or the conversation you're having, which bucket does it fall into? And then you got to tailor that bucket to the specific scenario. But because you have the guiding principles, you can make those adjustments. So the nuancey stuff is very, very difficult. But if you go back to the generalities and the main pillars and the basics, the, the foundation, the fundament, the fundamentals of fundamentals of yeah. real estate, yeah, yeah and, and, and or like human interaction right. or what you're trying to accomplish, and and that's the and I think that's what I like, and I uh, you know I've talking about like essentials and you know uh um being efficient and being effective and all this stuff one of the things i always come back to is the idea of like simplicity less is more like go go like less 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 and there's a quote i heard the other day is perfection's not when you can't add any more it's when you can't take out any less or you can't sorry it's not when you can can't add any more it's when you can't take more out or something along those lines i butchered that but the idea of like perfection is when you basically have simplified everything down to the point it cannot, it's like a math equation. Yeah. You don't have those big complex problems and you just yeah. kind of keep, I mean, this is old school algebra. I say old school. It's algebra that I learned <laughs> old school, I should say, well, years ago. But it's algebra, but you can break down all those complex equations and the next thing you know, it's, it ends up breaking down to X equals, you know, or two equals X plus five or something. Right. Like something yeah. simple and you're like, oh, easy, then X is whatever. Like. But you can break those things down so it's a very small equation. And that's what I try to do. When you start to understand something at a very high level, it then becomes more simple because you can actually decipher all the smoke and mirrors and the high-end stuff and really bring it down to the basics. And I find that like that's what I try to do in a lot of stuff. It's like, what's the most the easiest, most efficient, most least complex way that we can accomplish this problem? And every I feel like every time I look at a problem or every year, another year goes, I learn more, I learn more, I learn more, make connections. And I'm like, actually that, why, why do we do that? It doesn't make sense. We had one the other day, we we're talking about 
like buyers and sellers. And I was like, I forgot what the exact example was, but I'm like the only time this would ever happen is it this scenario. No matter what, all this, we're like, well, this, this, this. I'm like, wait, let's just simplify that down. If this was ever to happen, it would only be part of this. And again, right. I, I know it's broad. I'm thinking of it's like, it only could be with like a seller make, or like. Well, it, it generally it always comes down to it depends, right? Is like that's so every job and every bit of industries that I've been in, it always comes down to, well, it depends. And then if you take that depend, like it depends down to you break it down into like, no, this is the five things that are happening. Mm -hmm. Like, let's leave all the rest of it out. These five things led to this outcome. Yeah. What can I do with these five things to get that outcome or a better outcome? And I think that um, being able to explain if we do these five things this certain way, we will get to our goal. Yeah, well, it's it's like focusing on the leaves when you should be focusing on like the the main main branches. Uh, yeah. So it's like, and I think they call it like root. Like if you take a tree, it's, I heard this once, but the decision tree. If you're making decisions and the, all you're doing every day is cutting back the leaves making like those little tweak minor decisions. But what happens if you have like, let's just say you have like a, you know, root rod or something like that. And it's like eating the tree from the inside. If you go and just fix the problem at the root, at the, at the tree, all the problems up there are already taken care of. Right. But most people want to sit there and cut back the branches of the tree or the leaves off the tree or whatever, without actually going to the trunk of the tree and figuring out the problem. Right. So and from a decision standpoint too, or a simplicity standpoint, like how quick or how much can you take all those like when you start off in any business you're kind of living in the branches and the trees because you don't really know but then eventually you're like oh i'm actually seeing what actually makes sense so now i keep going more simple more simple more simple and really at the end of the day it's you're really just at the root of the tree right or the trunk of the tree and that is the basics versus like getting lost too much so what do they call it like lost in the clouds or a lot like can't see the forest through the trees kind right. of thing yeah so it's like, no, you're in a forest, not in the trees. Just, uh, oh, okay. And yeah. then, then it gives you that clarity where you can go do the you know, the five things that you need to do to get get out. Correct. Yeah. Or realize like actually you shouldn't be in the forest, you should be on the beach. It's like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. But I was like, is that tree or that tree? Like, no, 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 you gotta go actually over there. Like I, I you know it's like a simplistic like generality, but that's the idea of like I'm fascinated with trying to figure this out and then also trying to like what's some opportunities that you can take advantage of by thinking like this or by simplifying or by f changing direction a little bit um, or challenging the status quo of like, there's something we did yesterday. It was like, yeah, we just, that's what we do. And then I was like, and I, it was with Jen, I was having a conversation and my answer was, well, that's, they, that needs to happen. And I paused, I'm like, does that actually need to happen? Has it ever come up as an issue that hasn't happened? Like this ran through my head yesterday. I was like, wait. I'm like, honestly, I don't think we need to do it that way. And by not doing that way, every time we do that task, we're probably sending saving a solid 10 minutes on that one task. Right. So or, like, or longer. Or longer. And I was like, and, I, and again, I was like, in my head, I was like, no, we're not going to do it that way anymore. 
Yeah. And it's if the only reason it's done that way is because it's, quote, always been done that way, that's the worst reason it's, to always right. do it that way. In yeah, in yeah, when you get that when you get that answer, oh well we just always do it that way, it drives me nuts because it's like what if there's a different like you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna yell at me like professionally because I did it a different way than then it's always been done. Mm-hmm. But it took me a quarter of the time to get to the same answer. But I'm getting in trouble because... You're not working as long. Or, well, yeah, you're, you're not filling your, you know, your punch card. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but I just save, like, I saved us three quarters of the time that I could be doing something else or... So... Well, it's a perfect example. Like this morning, if you asked me today, like, what did you get done today? Like, what did you actually get done today? I would probably have a very, very short list of things I got to today. And I would have a list of things I didn't get to today. But if you were to actually break it down, I would be like, I worked two hours directly on the most essential thing that we need to do right now in our business versus spending five or six hours getting distracted by email, call this client, do this, you know, uh, answer this request, do this, do that, where I'm just like in a, you know, I'm getting pulled every direction because of someone else's prerogative. Like that's what they want. Therefore, I'm just like reacting. Right. Instead, I've had a very proactive day where I've done what I wanted to do and I've really or, or needed to do or needed. Actually, I should say needed. It's that's, needed because that's, that's, yeah, trust me. I didn't want to do what I had to do. Today. It was needed. Yes. <laughs> right. Good, good. Um, but it, but it comes because there, I'm sure there are days where if you look back at the end of the day and you go, I spent, I didn't get the thing that I needed to get done today. Done. Correct. And it's 7 PM. You're not going to sleep well. You're not going to, it's going to throw off your whole, your whole routine for like feeling good the next day when you get up because you're going to be stressed about the thing you didn't get done. Now you have two things that need to get done mm-hmm. in, it's it's compounding and then that's how you burn out. Well, and, and then the, on the opposite end of burnout, I could say like today we're at, it's 335 right now. I'll tell you exactly what I did today. So people have context. I showed up later than I wanted to because of some kid stuff, which is fine. Life happens. You you just but, you adjust. But and you also have the blessing to be able to have that happen. Uh, yes, very flexible. So, so, I could do like so, like like you're not getting written up for being late today. No. So this is what happened. I I go. I bring my kids to school most mornings. We show up, my my son's not acting the way he normally is, and kind of like, what's wrong, buddy? What's wrong? He didn't really say much, and long and short, we get to the school, he's not feeling well. So I was like, brought my daughter in, and said, you sure you don't want to go in? Blah. He's like, oh, I don't feel good. And, he, and you can tell he's not like, he's not faking it. He doesn't feel good. So I'm like, all right, fine, back in the car. Now, where I bring them is about two minutes from here. I get in the car, drive 15 minutes back home, Drop them off, drive 15 minutes back here. So I end up showing up about a half hour later. It's not the end of the world. But no. I'm saying, so that's my morning. But again, I do have the flexibility to do that. 
Then I worked on very minor, actually, I lied. I worked on, uh, I kind of told you before about our continuing ed. I worked on continuing ed very quickly this morning for strategic reasons. I did, did that. And then I ended up spending two hours on some really, like, things I have to do that are gonna buy me back time in the future. I wasn't answering email. I wasn't just following up here and there with random stuff. I said it was very like, I'm gonna, nothing else, my phone's off, I'm diving into this. I rattled off a bunch of stuff to the point at the end of two hours, I'm like, I'm tired. Like very saturated amount of thinking, doing. But like mentally exhausted doing work. Yes, it was two hours. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I had a lunch with a friend, business associate kind of thing doing a podcast with you, meeting with a few people right after this, and then I should be home by 5.36 o'clock tonight. But if you ask like how much work did I actually physically do today, I have done, no, I consider like a mixture of this work and the lunch work and the thing after this work, but it's like fun. I'm with cool people, people I like, people I enjoy the company of. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work. My actual work today was is going to probably entail about two hours. Maybe two, maybe two and a half. And then I look at that, but I'm like, I bet you I accomplished more today than most people will that worked eight or nine hours today. Right. But it's because of what I'm working on. And I've stripped out all the other things that are kind of like distractions or not as, you know, high the, end. The, the, the busy sort of fluff work to fill out your eight. To make me to feel like I was like successful. Right. I'm like, I worked two hours today, but moved the needle further in my career than I would have if I did something for eight hours today. Right. So I'm getting more into that level where I can, you know, really hammer stuff out and be like, you know what, I could leave today. I could leave right after this. And be like, you know, what? I had a great day. A good day, right? And there's a lot of stuff I didn't get to. A lot of stuff that's unfinished. But you know what, I took care of the big, more essential part of the day, versus got all the little to do tasks out of the way. But really, at the end of the day, if I do them tomorrow, or if I never get them done, I'm probably okay. This is allowing me to level up going forward stuff right. that I can do in the future. So that's where really where I'm at is that each day I have a very simplistic schedule and I'm fine with letting something slide because I know I'm working on bigger priority things that are the things I should be working on. Now my problem is if I'm working on the correct thing, how can I maybe work on them a little bit better or delegate or offload or third party outsource something. So even though it's the high priority, maybe it's not something I should be doing. I'm focusing on the right task, but maybe I can offload it, get that portion done, and just keep moving on to the next big task. That's where I'm really trying to get better at is like, okay, who do I seek out? How do I find someone that could write this copy or how, or someone that could develop this thing, database, or can I leverage like an online transcription tool that does it in the snap of a finger and I don't have to do it? Right. So that's where I'm like trying to wrap my head about, okay, I'm working on the right thing, but how can I work on the right thing very efficient? Right. And then because you, working on the right thing not well doesn't benefit you as much as it could. But it's better than working on something you shouldn't be doing well. Right. So like I could be really good at responding to email, which I'm which you are. Which I am, but yeah. it's not. Right. It's not moving the needle as much as me being like moderately good at something that's going to move the needle. It's better to work on that. Right. You know, and if someone's like, you didn't respond to my email in the last 24 hours, like I'm okay with that. Like versus not getting. Right. If, if, if the one ding on you 
is that you didn't answer the email timely enough. Yeah. Like which happens, but yeah. but it also allows me to um what's the word uh relieve myself of shitty clients very yeah. quickly. <laughs> Cuz if you have someone that's requesting that and I'm like get get but, out of here. But but that also and the, I mean that also comes down to like it goes comes back to the whole pricing thing too. Mm-hmm. Is like um doing freelance web development or whatever and it's like oh well i'm gonna go with the cheapest person fine yeah (laughs) like like if you're gonna work with a um in from what i found is the the cheaper the the lower amount that people are gonna pay you for their expectations of like a website or a product because they want it done cheap and quick Mm -hmm. those are gonna be the worst clients correct yes so Oh, you have no problem paying the five thousand dollar like project fee. Mm-hmm. If you work with a nice enough client, that's just going to get paid. Yeah, but if you're doing it for like five hundred bucks or a hundred bucks, the person's going to be like, "Ah, I don't like the colors. I don't like the, you know, oh, could you tweak this, tweak that, tweak, and then you're over budget, overspent, and then burnt out. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't. And you have the headache of a shitty client. Well, that yeah, but that's also. Like the overhead too is like, uh, it's also part of client work what, what's too. The, what's the quote? It's like if you think hiring a professional is expensive, try hiring an amateur. Yeah, like it's kind of that idea. It's like yeah, if you like you wouldn't hire me to do a spot of, or a Shopify um, site, but it, but it, hire you, like you know what I mean. Like you wouldn't hire me because I'd be like, oh, like I don't know what I'm doing. Where but I'm like, I guarantee you, I'm going to charge less than Emmett because I'm trying to get a market share. If we're both well, it, in that category, it, but I'm like, I'm not going to be as good as what you are. So it, I'd expect you to charge more because of your expertise. Well, it, it, that's it's like the whole the, the plumbing thing. Yeah, it, it, say the line. I know. I know. You say the same <laughs> thing as me. Well, it it's it, it's the whole thing of like we were talking about it earlier. You have you're not going to hire the plumber that just got his certificate to come fix your like fix your toilet. But the guy, the plumber that's been doing it for twenty five years is going to come in, touch two things, and it's fixed, mm-hmm. and charge you three hundred dollars. But did you ever hear the line about that? Someone paid a plumber. This was a, a book I read. Someone plays that pays the plumber. Plumber comes in, is there for five minutes. They get an invoice for two hundred dollars, and they're like, two hundred dollars. You're here for five minutes. He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, ten dollars was for the ten minutes. He goes, one hundred ninety was right or. Uh, was because I knew where to swing the hammer. Right. Yeah. Because you're paying for the knowledge. Right. But then I I also look at, back to what I talked about probably an hour ago, is that if I've spent, I don't even know what year this is, 13 or 14 years of real estate. If I spent this amount of time learning and doing and everything as much as I've done. Well, and, And also, this goes back to the networking piece. You have a network locally of people that can. Absolutely. That. You have a you have a con, a book of connections that correct. You can go. This person does great work. I want if you need work done, this is who you should call. Also, I'm lucky to be in a position that there's a lot of pe- good people on my phone that I could call right now that will speak to me directly and answer me answer a question for me in a split second. Versus most, and again, I'm not saying some you know other agents have connections like this. But the fact that, like, in our industry, that stuff is not valued as much as in other industries where I could see that being valued 
is because to take all the information and strategy and thoughts and experience and you know just the know-how of stuff and then say i'm i'm really you know boxed into a certain fee or price or whatever that i can get as someone who just started that is not knowledgeable that's the thing that i can't stand right where if you like but th- that in that book of that book of contacts that you have is probably worth that fee that extra oh, fee 100 like, times over 100 times over in absolutely in that and that's also how i view all of my net, like my networking i've helped people get jobs mm-hmm. yeah i i ha- i've helped i've made connections where it turns out that it's like yeah they're making more money that they've ever dreamed about as a salary because a connection i made on mm-hmm. twitter or social media that's incredible. I, uh, you know, what's funny is I thought of, so. There's multiple people that I know locally that, and I'm not gonna like I'm not naive in saying it's because of me they got this position, <laughs> but I would say there's a lot of people that I know that have made connections and are where they're at because of introductions I've made, and obviously there's work to be done after that fact. But everything happens for a reason. You meet people for a reason. Things happen for a reason. You cr- People cross paths in life for a reason. And it's like, can you capitalize on that? So if I made an introduction for somebody and they capitalized on it, awesome. Like, that's good on them. Right. And I look at the same thing. Like, I've put myself strategically in good positions and I've, I've found opportunities. And there's a few off the top of my head that I'm like – life-changing opportunities or relationships with me absolutely but they came from someone else or sometimes it's just my own um my own uh what's the word like initiative but i was in the right place the right time saw the opportunity and took it and that is something that you have to just understand and it's tough i can't explain it it's like it's like gut feelings nuances and stuff and there's there's multiple people in my life that have like perfect example like I, I, mean, well, I guess we won't dive into examples but there's there's certain people in my life that have come in on random encounters It'd be like me walking out of the office today bumping into somebody and someone says hey by the way i was thinking about you the other day boom 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 next thing you know like oh my god i can't believe that just happened but that right. happens and it's happened to me in my life but a lot of it is because I put myself in the right spot or I knew the person that made the connection to this person. Yeah. Perfect example now. I have a really good friend of mine who I met, still one of my – like a really good friend to this day. Met this person through the Chamber of Commerce. So I get involved with the Chamber of Commerce. I meet this girl. has become one of my best friends. She has introduced me to – it's funny. It's like, you know, like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I feel it's like the six degrees yeah. of this girl because I, the, the, a lot of things that have come into my life and opportunities and stuff, this goes both ways. It's like a two, it's like a two way street with yeah. this person. But if you go back, I'm like, Oh, this is because of that person. Introduce me to this person, introduce me to this person, introduce me to this person, introduce me to this person. And now I'm like layers deep in this connection. Right. But it all came back to, and you could really say it all came back to me getting involved with the chamber. But we're so far down. We're, I mean, we're talking five, probably five, six years down this path. But it's opened this many opportunities and connections and doors and things right. that people but have met. In, but the, this, this is my, that's my whole whole story with social media and Twitter in mm-hmm. getting into tech is like. Sorry. Also, this 
person I'm talking about had actually DM'd me randomly prior to me actually knowing who they were or meeting them via the chamber because of social media. I mean... So, but, so I'm saying it's just like... But... Yes. So like th- this whole experience also wouldn't happen if you didn't put yourself out there. Right? You and I wouldn't have met, I don't think. No. I Perfect example. You and I yeah. don't think would have met had we not both been on the same spaces. Yeah. And... In any way, like, like how how I got how I got my current role. This is this, I want to hear this. This is, because... this, is, this is wild. So, basically, um, so actually, last time I was on the pod, yes. it was. Do you know when that was roughly? It was November, twenty twenty one. Wow, good on you for knowing that. Um, and we, you asked me what my title was. And I jokingly said software engineer because I wasn't fully a software engineer yet. I did it for fun. I did it on the side. And you said, what do you want to be? I said software engineer. Podcast goes live. The next day I get a job offer to become a software engineer. So trippy because they listen to the podcast. Hopefully. But but I was do. I or did, maybe just put it in the universe. It, it was, yeah, we put, we, put it, we put it out there. And, and then anyway. That's so wild. Um, so when I made, I made a, a post on social about joining this company, I have my current CEO reach out to me and go, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Never met him before. Never interacted with him a little bit. The on current tour, one you're at now. Current one I'm at now. Gotcha. So then back in May of 2022, I was laid off, um, due to tech having a weird mm-hmm. funding, funding issues and whatnot and no hard feelings whatsoever. Like it happens, yeah. Um, and then, due to my connections on on the internet, I went from a layoff to a job offer in two weeks to join another startup. Do another. Uh, I do six months there. They close the position due to financial stuff, and then, but all while this is going on, I am messaging and talking to my current CEO. And checking in, um, checking in with him, seeing how his business is doing, congratulating him on all the new features that are coming out. And then um, when I got laid off in October, there was um, a time where it was like I posted, hey, got laid off looking for work. This is before, this was like just when Elon took over Twitter. So Twitter was fully staffed. Mm-hmm. Elon takes over. Let's go like. 85% of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, then Meta lays off 10,000. Amazon lays off 15. Microsoft's laying off 10,000 people. And I'm just like, there's n- like, there's no way. Like, this job market's crazy. I'm going to have to go back to the working, like, an odd, odd jobs and stuff, stuff around town. And then um, CEO at No Commerce was like, hey, Let's, let's, you know, come interview, we'll see what we can do. And that's all from just putting myself out there, mm-hmm. networking, not knowing where these conversations and just cheering people on that are building stuff. Mm-hmm. Like building stuff, not easy. Like people, oh, you just clickety click on your computer and you get an application. It's like, no, to make it a viable digital product it takes a lot of work 
in to cheer those people on and to share other people's winnings. If you share other people's wins, you'll do better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, you're not necessarily like the point guard building the thing, right? You're not the, the star, but like the person making the assists and being on part of the team, they get a ring too. Yeah. Like it's sharing connections and networking, I think is, it's, it's a skill that is undervalued. No, I, I, yeah, I agree. And it's like what you said before, it's not who you know, it's, or it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. I mean, realistically, that's the case. Like, I don't, I don't think, I mean, you can know stuff, trust me, like you can know stuff and get your foot in the door that way. All things being equal, though, who you know is going to open doors for you. And, but it comes with the connection. It comes with getting yourself out there. It comes with meeting people. And most people don't have these, like you could say like, oh, he's only introduced because of his family or whatever. That's still, Maybe. still a connection. Still a connection. Still... And honestly, if, if I was a kid and I had a connection like that, you'd be dumb not to lean into it. Right. Ab- but, ab- <laughs> but if you, but if I'm looking at it and I'm like, a lot of the connections that I've made where, you, where people could say, well, you just got it because you knew so-and-so. I'm like, yeah, I didn't always know so-and-so. Right. Or, you know, and I think, I think when you really look at it, so there's been a lot of, you know, schlepping for, uh, you know, stuff. Like, I mean, it's not like I've not done stuff. Like I've done, and, and this is what I, I go back to. And I'm the same. Like if I, I mean, I'm in the real estate space, but I've, if I see realtors that are doing well, like I know what you have to do to hit certain numbers. And I know so, either you need systems or you got like. So, so you, you'll see an agent hit some like crazy milestone yeah. and you're like, that's, te- that's I've, awesome. I've texted yes. people at the end of the year. Yeah. I've looked at the final stats. I'm like, good job. Yeah. Like I know what that takes to do. Like, yes. and you know, and I think that the, you know, most agents, I think, well, at least in my industry, like if you really good agents don't have to say they're good. If you go back to that, if but, you get agents that are, you know, it's the same thing with any client services business. Yeah. You know, who's good. Right. And, and you could say like, well, Galen, you post on social media. Like, yeah, that's a portion of like how you put the word out there. But I don't roll into like appointments and be like, did you know I was number one last year? Like, I've never said that to a client. Or, or that, right? that that's not your, your advertising. That's not, but that's not my thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm telling you all the things I'm going to do to get your soul sold. You don't care what I've done in the past. Right. Like, I'm going to talk to you. I mean, yes, maybe that proves something. But really, at the end of the year, I'm coming in and saying, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to, you know, and, and anything I've done up to this point, you're just benefiting from, but you don't care any accolades I got. I mean, maybe, but most people are like, what can you do for me? WIFM, what, what's yeah. in it for me? That's, and I go through that all the time. I'm like, I got to prove myself to that person because even if they think I'm really, you know, they think I'm really, really good, which obviously makes the, 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 um, the, the conversion easy or the sale easy right. to the, on the client. I still am not going to be like, well, they already think I'm good, so I'm just going to not work as hard. I'm like, that's not in me. Like, I'm going to be like, no, 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 I'm going to work just as hard, but I'm going to do it in the context of what I already know right. and use my knowledge and skill and not rest of my laurels to make it happen. I think good people do that. Like, I don't have to, 
I like if people ask me like who are the good agents in our area, I'll give you a list. I'll give you a very strong list of people that I've worked with, you know, directly that I would right. consider the upper echelon of agents that I would list or buy a house with. Absolutely. And and that that's huge. That's Yeah, and I, and I would say, you know, would agents say that about me? I would hope so. Some might not. You might have some agents that would never give certain agents the time of day because of envious, jealousy, or whatever. They're already or, number one. Why do they need? Well, or, or like they're already a top agent. Or why like do they need? a jealousy need? thing. I'm right. like, I wouldn't have that. I'm like, why? Because they're good. Is that the only reason you don't like yeah. them? Is because they're successful? And I don't. I don't. That's not me. So I'm like, for years, I remember my goal was to be the top agent. And it was just purely just as a metric. Like I wasn't the best agent in the country. It wasn't the best agent in the state. It was best agent in our local board. It's what I, the only numbers I could really see. Shoot, hey, might as well go for first. It's a leaderboard. You know, I play sports. Like, yeah. for, you know, Ricky Bobby. If you're not first, you're last. So I was like, let me just try it. And uh, but at no point during that journey of to be number one did I ever look at the people that were number one and say I'm going to tear them down. In my head, I was like, God, they did fifty something deals this year. Like. How are they doing that? Right. Not like screw them, they're doing 50 something deals. I hate them. It was more like, let me learn from them or let me figure out how to do that because it's possible. It's clearly possible it's they cl- hit it. They, they hit did, it. They did the thing. And I've met them before. They're a normal right. person. Right. They're nothing, they're not like some robot. And, and I, th- well, I think that's the other interesting thing of, about me being so technically like web, like in the, in the internet. Remembering that people are people and that they're humans is mm-hmm. so important. Yeah. And, and also like, I think with you being in a sort of small, smaller market is like, you don't burn bridges here. No, you can't. Because your, your reputation is your, your business. Right. That's in a small community that is amplified. A- amplified. Cause it's, it's, it's one bad in same thing with like marketing product or anything like that. You give somebody a bad experience, they're telling all their friends. Mm-hmm. They're telling their family. They're telling yeah. – they're posting on social media. I had a terrible experience. Well, bummer. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and a lot of people just write it off. Oh, well, it was one experience. It's like – but they told the, – the whole thing is if one person has a bad experience, they're going to tell 10 people. Well, the other thing too is like someone could say that on Facebook and people are like, this person seems kind of crazy. And people, people can decide, like reasonable people can look at it and say like, what's the context here? And is that someone of, of trustworthiness? But if you find that someone that's got probably a collectiveness of people saying that person's pretty sane and like a normal person, or I would trust that person and they post something, then that's a major red flag. Cause you get it. You're not going to have zero complaints. It's impossible. Right, right. You're going to have complaints, but then I've had. I've had more enough complaints. If you want to see, go to Zillow. Go to my Zillow profile. I got more complaints, I think, on there than good stuff. But it's like one star bashing me, and it's like, but then I go to the. I'm like, I know the person, and the person was just one of those like, like you can't please everybody. And I'm like, or, if I've had, or or it's the house or property or whatever that's like, there's stuff out of your hands that you can't. There, there's a few on Zillow that I'm like, these people were borderline nut jobs, and yeah. I knew that. Like I didn't know it when I, you know, but as the went across, I'm like, these people are crazy and there's no way to make them happy. If you right. say black, they're saying white. It does not matter. And those are the ones that go on and bash you. And I'm like, yeah. And of course, half of them are like misspelled, like cap, like just like keyboard, you know, what's it called? Uh, you know, keyboard, keyboard uh, warrior. warrior. Yeah. yeah, like just sitting there, just tapping away. And I'm like, okay. And most of them are like very, uh, what's the word? Uh, Vulgar? Not vulgar. 
I actually was kind of, uh, <laughs> one of them went on and I ended up like responding to it. And I knew the exact reason why this person said what they did. And they basically put in the response, like very passive aggressively, all the stuff that was the reason of yeah. like why they were upset. But I broke it back down to like, so if anybody reading it would have been like, oh, this person's just kind of a wackadoo. I'm like, yes. Yeah. But I don't, I don't spend time really on those. Cause like no, for every, no, it, well, that will don't make you go crazy. For every bad client, you have a hundred great clients. So it's right. like, but it's just funny when you see that. It's like people can, they, people can like look through that and be like, yeah, that's, oh, that person doesn't seem very, very credible. Right. But like, you're also going to make your decisions on where you go to a restaurant based on those reviews and it's like well if that's the only one and everything else is like absolutely bury you you know it's like okay sweet yeah i trust you know i trust that i'm going to go to this place for lunch Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's yeah the network stuff is really important in what's your take on uh two things i want to ask you before we wrap up What's your take on Twitter now that since Elon bought it? Because you're, you're deep in it. Deep. I've been way out before this ever you're even happened. You were out before, right. So, way, I mean, years before. My second one is going to be AI. So hit this so, first one. Twitter. So the, the Twitter thing is... Because you, you did not get hired as CEO of Twitter. I, I did not get okay. hired. Just um, want to make that clear for everybody. But I did, I did have friends lose their job. So, so you did know people at Twitter. I knew people at Twitter. Mm-hmm. Lost their jobs. You know, some are still struggling to find work, which is not good. Not good. And yep. especially with like when that layoff, initial layoff happened. Um, I I think it eventually gets sold to somebody else. Um, really? Yeah. You don't think Elon's going to run this thing to something different? It's either going to go for sale for something else to try to scrap for parts or it's going into the ground. Have you seen what his? Uh, well, actually, first, why would you say that? Um, just because how he how he handled how he handles some of the decisions that need to be more informed. Like they don't have an HR department right now. How do you not have an HR department when you're supposedly the village? You know, the town town square. Do you know how many employees are there as of right now? No, but it's a lot less than. So 2,300 people. That's, it's less than that. Yeah, because the one I just clicked was 3,900, now to 2,300. But but and, and anyway, there's. I just think running a, a company that big. In. Him, sort of. They've changed the UI a bunch. They've had some silly. They put Dogecoin as the Twitter. Um, like the graphic. Yeah. Hello. So instead of the. The bird in the top left corner, it was the Dogecoin, which Dogecoin went up like... For how long is that? Is that still there? No, but when it was there, Dogecoin went up like 500%. Like, Which doesn't Elon have a big stake in? Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Um, and it's just... 
it just seems like it's way too much and I can't I can't get behind somebody that's uh, you know I don't think he's a good businessman. So you don't like Elon? No. So I'm the opposite. I love Elon. Why? So this is from my my understanding, and again, take this for what it is. From at the end of the day, if I had to strip it down, he is an engineer thinker first and foremost. So if you look at that, like take um so what was his first business? Was it X.com? X.com and then PayPal. Okay. That so bought, That got bought by PayPal, I believe. Yeah. So X.com, PayPal, then it went into like, I think it was Tesla and SpaceX in and around the same time. He didn't start SpaceX or he didn't start Tesla. He didn't. No, but he started, he started SpaceX. Tesla, he came in. I'm trying to remember. I, I read his book and I've done, I've read and heard a bunch of stuff, but long and short of it. Those two were in, I think SpaceX started like early they 2000s. The, they were the similar time frame, I think. And Tesla was a little bit later. I think SpaceX was first. Tesla was a little bit later. Um, and he ended up, he didn't start Tesla, came in at some level and ended up acquiring it or whatever. He was also part of OpenAI and then left that a couple of years ago. Um, the one thing that fascinates me by about Elon is his ability to think, his ability to innovate, his ability to to. I think Elon Musk is going to go down in history as like a Leonardo da Vinci, a Ben Franklin, a Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla, any of these people. Because he bought his way into things. How so? He bought his way into Tesla. He didn't build Tesla. No, he didn't. I'm not saying he built Tesla. But take so take Elon. He started out and built X.com or whatever it was back then. I think it was yep. X.com. Built it, like, slept on, like, I think he's, like, lived out of a one-apartment dorm, like, hacked the internet from down below, like, bootleg, like, bootleg to the, to, like, the nth degree. Got this up and running, turned into PayPal, I think he got $180 million out of it, turned almost all of it into what we know as Tesla, whatever he bought into it, whatever the case might be. Same thing with SpaceX. He puts his money into these companies, then drives those companies up to um, the level they're at now working an ungodly amount of hours, like leading from the front. So if you go from a leader business person, this is what I've learned from, from running our business, which is a massively small business. It is hard. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of shit here that I don't know how to do that I'm literally doing it because I've been kind of thrust into it. I didn't set out to lead people or have employees or make decisions or market or do any of this stuff. I literally got in 13 years ago with a real estate license in college because I didn't want to serve ice cream anymore. That was the extent of it. Yeah. So from there, I've had to learn on the fly because of like I grew I worked hard. I acquired a level of success, which in in my brain was like, let's go to the next level because I was like, I'm not, I can't sit still. I got to like, I got to be doing something. I got to be challenging myself. So every level that we go up, I then have to put more stress on myself than I probably should, but it's because I'm trying to solve the next problem. I'm right. playing Mario. I'm like trying to get to the next level. That's right. what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get to the flagpole, like of every level. Yeah. 
I am a minuscule example compared to someone like Elon Musk. So when I look at Elon, there's so much involved in business. There's so much involved in decisions. And really, if you want to pull back the curtain on everything, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. No, absolutely I don't not. know what I'm doing. Right. I make shit up every single day based on all the information that I have, my current level of, of brain power, my current level of problem solving, my current level of my whatever my decision-making task, tasks are and my level of input into myself, whether it's something I read, people I talk to, whatever experiences, right. I make decisions with the best intent that I can, but really don't know if they're gonna work out. It's like parenting. I don't know if it's gonna work out. I'm just gonna try it. Then you take someone like Elon, who's doing it on, in new frontiers. Nobody's privately sent rockets to the space. Nobody's mass produced electric cars at the level he has. Not only that, is he open sources everything. He lets people like, this is what I'm doing, improve on it. I don't give a shit. Like, make this better. The one thing I find fascinating about Elon and people want to shit on him, which is their prerogative. They can do whatever they want. This is a guy that is so far brilliant in certain categories that he is going to fail massively in many parts of his life because he's such an extreme. Take anybody that's a high level. Take Tiger Woods at Love Golf. Tiger Woods is not a normal person. You talk to him, he's awkward. He's got a bunch of, like, you could have a bunch of problems in certain areas of your life. But that guy can win a golf tournament. Right. Why do people love him? Because he can win a golf tournament. But what does he have? He's not the most personable person. He had a really bad stint of marital affair (laughs) stuff. He's had injuries because he's tried to perfect. Like, he is off the charts Steve Jobs, people could say Steve Jobs is an absolute dick. Probably was in certain regards. You can't deny the fact that he was absolutely brilliant and innovative in certain things because he's so far one way off the spectrum that you cannot live a balanced life if you were that far extreme. Right. I don't want to be. Hence the reason why I'm trying to find efficient ways that I can spend more time with my kids and have free time to spend with the people I love. I look, Elon's been divorced three times and has six kids that he doesn't see that often. That's his choice. I would never want to do that. But I'm right. saying, and I don't blame him for it. I'm just saying that's his life. I could care less. Do what you do you. I'm just saying from an innovation standpoint, he's able to outthink, out understand a bunch of stuff that I'm like, I God, he is just, it's an, unreal how his brain processes stuff. That doesn't translate into being a good leader. That doesn't translate into being a good business person. But I think all the stuff that he's doing, same thing, I go to different parts of my career that are hard for me now put pretend i own twitter with how many or whatever spacex and 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 uh, tesla and then i acquire twitter for billions of dollars because i can because i have the the money to do so and i now take over something that's been going for 15 plus years that's on a massive scale I come into this whole massive complex ecosystem. It's not like I'm buying G&G tire across the road. Right. And I'm like, what do we got? Five, like, I don't know, like say 15 people here. What's your processes? Eh, we'll kind of figure this out. 
oh, we got 2,000 people, and we're dealing with a lot of legal things, and we're one of the biggest tech companies Or not in the dealing world. with a bunch of legal things. Or whatever. But he's coming into something, and people expect, like, just because you took it over, the learning curve now is you got to have this thing on, up and running. How many people go into any position in their careers, yep. in their jobs, and understand something day one? They don't. No. Like, I guarantee you, you going into a different company had a few-month learning curve, and, and you're still learning. And you're like, okay, I'm getting better every day, but I'm learning. The problem is people jump on this guy. He buys Twitter, and next thing you know, it's all over the news. Well, he laid off these people. He did this, and he did this, and he did this, and it's like, Elon sucks. And I'm like, first off, one thing, and again, I don't, I'm just saying what I've heard. Elon said they were grossly overstaffed. Now, could be right, could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. But in my thought is that most companies, especially the last couple of years, have gotten bloated. Right. And and it probably was they were staffed fairly correctly for the time. And, I mean, like you said, Meta dropped off 10,000 or whatever it was. People. Multiple times. Yeah. But nobody bats an eye really at that. That's a headline, but not really a headline where Elon drops, say, you know, 1,500 people. And now people are like, this guy's terrible. Well, it's because it was, it was in a, like... How we did it? How we did it. But I also think, too, if you're coming in, and this is where I think Elon is, Elon is not the most, like, like a lovey-dovey, hand-holding kind of person. Elon's like, rip the Band-Aid off. Honestly, what we're going to need to do is lay off a bunch of people. Right. Instead of making this, like, softer on those people. But, but he, he, also, he also got people to buy into this Twitter 2.0 thing. They're sleeping at their desks. Yeah. Because that's and then guess what? They got laid off in four months and didn't get severance. Yeah, so like all the behind the scenes stuff, I I don't know so, that stuff well. So there's there's this whole thing where the people that got laid off initially got mm-hmm. a severance package. Okay. Like Which was how many people you think? It was, it, I think it was it was more than it was more than a thousand. It was, okay. It was like I think it was like two thousand people. Okay. They all got seven packages. Then he posted, hey, like, I need 100% buy-in to Twitter Mm 2.0 by, like, Thursday afternoon at 4 4 Central or whatever. Like, who's on the board? Who's on the bus? Who's, like, who's getting on the bus to go come do this Twitter 2.0 thing? Yeah. Be in office. Be in the office. You know, and this is after everyone's gone remote, so people aren't even in San Francisco. Mm Mm-hmm. They're not even at, you know, their nearest, basically... Physical locations. Physical locations. Yep. Where it's like, oh, the nearest Twitter, you know, New York City, that's six hours for me. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just say, like, mm-hmm. I need to be there tomorrow. Like, there's a lot of logistical things. It's like, well, nope, I'm just going to lose my job. Yeah, absolutely. I get it. Um, then there's the... They brought on this... Um, the person for um, it was like health and safety of Twitter person who posted that she was sleeping at her desk all week, sleeping on the floor, had a blow up mattress next to her desk. Gets laid off in the next round of layoffs after she proved herself that she was going to bet all on on Twitter 2.0. No severance package. Mm-hmm. So you swear to do this thing. To come do this crazy thing and work all these hard hours, and you're not going to get rewarded for it. So I I think my a couple things on that is I would say yes that 
like is not. The, and there's even the legal things of him not going through proper proper routes for the layoffs for people in the EU and Europe. Yeah, so I think it goes to two things. One, he could just say, screw it. I really don't care. I have enough money. It doesn't matter. Which he could. So he could say, screw it. I don't care. I have a million things going on. Honestly, I'm going to break it. Someone else is going to fix it, and he's going to move on. Again, I'm not saying Elon is the most dead center guy. This guy is so extreme that a lot of people at that high level – I'm not at that level. I'm just saying I could see people at that level. You see it with movie stars. You see it with actors. You see it with business people. They're just going to take the hit and move on. But they – perfect – if we strip this down to the bare – like our level, we just talked about – and again, on a small example, I have someone run out and get me food. Very small example. If something were to happen or they come back with the wrong meal or something, or maybe I just like, it's a very, I mean, it's probably a bad example, but the idea of like certain things in our business, I don't want to do because of time or because I don't think the payoff's big enough. I will let crash and burn because I have to focus on other stuff. And that's on a small level. I make those decisions every day where if I don't think it's worth my time to make a call, respond to something, deal with this question, whatever, I will offsource it to somebody else or just let it fizzle out because I don't have enough time to deal with it because I've had to triage my day into what's most important. Elon could be looking at that. And again, I'm speculating and just say, I really don't care. Like I... It's bad that I don't care, but really I got to put it on a whole spectrum of problems. I have other people that can deal with that and I got to deal on X, Y, and Z because I'm a human and I have 24 hours in a day. I'm not saying it's the best choice or people don't look at it as the best choice. I'm saying I could see where someone at that level who is, I mean, we're talking in a massive outlier in the career in business that uh, you also have somebody that's coming into a company that I would say has a way different, um, uh, I want to say strategies, but like viewpoints on how stuff is run. I do think there's an ideology difference between the old Twitter owners and probably most people that work there and Elon. Yeah. I don't think there's a, a very, I don't think they see eye to eye in a lot of things. And I think at a certain point you have a mixture of Elon coming in and establishing the way he wants it, which he owns the business, good on him. That's his choice to do. I also feel like for people that are employees of a company, you never want to not take care of people. But if you look at it, depending on what the situation is, some some people will say, listen, I'll let the business run to the ground and take care of the employees, which they could. Some people could say, you know what? I'm going to have to let some employees go to keep this business going. So hopefully in a year from now, I can rehire them or and or that position in five more positions, but I got to take a step back to go a step forward. I don't know the whole vision of what he wants to do. I all but I, I look at employees don't have this is why I've always said I want to work for myself. I have full control over what I do. Right. If I need to make more money, if I need to figure out something, if I need to change or adapt or whatever, I have to, I ask one person myself. Like that's really the way it is. I have some legal obligations, obviously, with like ethics and stuff within our industry. As long as I'm not breaking rules, I can make a lot of decisions on basically a snap of a finger. Right. And that's not everybody. So I'm saying, yes, unfortunately, these people coming in as employees or being employees 
I mean, you ran through two of them. You got laid off for two, now nothing bad, but just no. circumstances. Yeah. But you don't have control over whether you stay or whether you go. And, and Elon, you know, at the end of the day, is a top person has to call these shots or whoever, but really it comes from him and it stems down. And it could be a decision made from someone two tiers down, but he somehow approved the okay for whoever hired that person. You know, so right. really you always blame the top person. The top person's going to be blamed. It's like blaming the head coach in a sporting uh, a sport or yeah. blaming, you know, the director of a crappy movie. I'm like, well, the director was probably great. Maybe they didn't have great people. But then you could argue, well, maybe we didn't hire the best actors. I don't – you could always point fingers at right. people. I think that Elon's ability to think and innovate and, and whatever is going to put him in the history books – a lot of people right now in the hit will be forgotten in history books. Jack Dorsey probably won't make a history book. He's great. He's brilliant. I'm he might. But if you really had to take the people in this generation, you're probably looking at an Elon, a Jeff Bezos. You might be looking at, a, you know, obviously Steve Jobs. You could be looking at a Bill Z Gates. Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. You're looking yeah. at these tip, tip, like the sphere, the big, the big, you know, um, you know, uh, Sergey Brin and uh, – um, the Google guys, yeah. um, Larry Page, like you'd be looking at those guys, but they're like so far outliers that even someone of like a Twitter or a LinkedIn, who founded LinkedIn? I you probably don't. I have no clue. They're not on the same scale as someone that founded Amazon. And it's not no bash to the people that founded LinkedIn. They're brilliant. But when you put it on a scale, because you're talking so far at the tippy tippy top of this that there's going to be pull away. It's like anything else. We just take statistics. The top, it's not like you follow, like you know where like the majority of people are on a yeah. bell curve. Yeah. Well, when you go to the end of the bell curve, it, le it basically flattens out very quickly. And that's your out that's like your outliers. Yeah. Elon Musk is an outlier in, in I, history. I will, I will say that, yes. So, so he, I believe, is going to have massive negatives. And he's going to have way more negatives than he's going to have positives. But his positives are off the chart positive the mission of tesla to to decommodify electricity mm -hmm. to bring electricity to everyone incredible and um what's the internet one um that's that that's elon right which one the um the internet satellites uh spa uh starlink starlink that's also elon Bringing internet and electricity, that's incredible. But I, th for me, it's more of the ethical way of treating the people that you are getting there. So, so what your, I guess, what would be your main negative of him? Was just the way he went about the layoffs or? Way about layoffs, sort of just joking about, um, his whole thing of recently was joking about NPR being government funded and that we should defund it. Um, so what I will say about so there there are ways that he puts himself out there that just it screams that I want nothing to do with it. Well, I will agree with this though. If you if you or I go onto Twitter and make a comment about something, a small subset of people are going to see that. Elon goes and makes a comment on Twitter. Elon made it part of the algorithm that people would see his tweets. Why? I mean, 
That's I actually see. Which, even, which I know, but like even of, if he was blocked or muted, you would still see his tweets. So, so this this is actually a perfect example. I I actually hear that and I'm like, that's actually pretty funny. But what I go I go at is, I get it that ninety nine percent of his tweets that he does. I find it because I'm not in his space. I have no reliance on Elon. You're not on Twitter. I'm not really on Twitter. But even if I see it come up on the news or something, or if I see someone repost on Instagram or whatever, it doesn't affect my life. And I might look at that. I'm like, oh, that's pretty genius or that's pretty funny or brilliant. But I am sympathetic to the fact that if he's putting stuff out there that affects people's livelihood. Which which there's 2,000 or more people that lost their jobs that were well-paying in areas that houses are ridiculously priced so that I've yeah. I've had people I've had I've seen people that they've had to sell their homes they almost got deported because they were on visas yeah and they can't find another job because they just op drop of a hat that's not taking care of people and I want nothing to do with that yeah and I and I would say so that's the part where I'm like I disagree with um that or when he like you throw out like you know the tweets that he'll throw out that you don't know if he's serious or not serious that's terrifying well and that's the thing i look at that and like as a normal 99% of people are going to look at that and be like that's funny the problem is if he does it well not even if he does or doesn't if he does or does something it doesn't really affect me 100% directly the problem is if that does or doesn't affects, wait, if he does this, I don't have a job tomorrow. And now I have to, like you just said, I got to figure out or I'm on a work visa and I got to get deported. And now in I have 60 a, days in there and yeah. everybody else is laying or off. Or it's like too. I got my yeah. wife and kids in, you know, here and now yeah. we might have to move out of the country and I got to pull the kids out of school. I get it. I mean, there's so many nuances to everything. So I, I don't agree with. I don't agree with the stuff that he just pops up because he's in a position, it's kind of like the old uh, uh, Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely. There's a level of there's a level of responsibility that I believe Elon should respect because of his position. But he doesn't. And he doesn't. And I disagree with that. I but from a from running a business standpoint, I don't think Elon is a business leader. I think he's great at certain things from a leadership perspective. I think some things he's not good at, which again, you take in stride. I think a lot of what has come to him has come from the product of his success, which I think happens to other people and you have to learn it. Is it success or just having money? Success. Success is a money is a product of success. So if you go back Elon Musk 40 years ago, when he comes to the United States, would you have said Elon Musk is, a product of success or a product of money. You would say, no. He came over from South Africa, moved to Montreal, went to King's College in Ontario. So we're talking right around us. We're talking within a couple yep. hours of us. Drops out, goes to Stanford, drops out, ends up starting a business with his brother, who's now very high up. And his brother's on the board of Tesla and the board of SpaceX. He's got a few other ventures he's done and gotten exited. Um, those two are slumming it just like every other hopeful tech startup whatever person they end up getting a buyout elon musk when he got paid 180 million dollars from paypal in theory probably could have retired 
could have just bought a house, moved somewhere, good, sat around, did nothing the rest of his life. Takes 180, almost goes bankrupt, putting into another business to go up. So you could say, well, because he had 180, he started this and then he grew. But I'm like, but where did he get that 180 from? He got it from something that he started from scratch. So when you, you look at, this is the thing, when you go to like the origin story of people, yeah. most his, people- His dad had the emerald mine in South Africa though. So yeah, there's much, money there. But how much money did he have coming over? That sound, the, what I've but, seen is that it's like millions of dollars. I don't think he had millions of dollars at his fingertips. Not at his fingertips, but he's still a product of... Could he fall back on it? Maybe. I don't think he had a good relationship with his father. That was one of the things that... I'm, I'm just saying at the... at the from, from a business side of things, to be able it, to take the money and bet it successfully this many times is rare. Absolutely. But I think when you go from an action standpoint and an effort standpoint, he it's very people at the top are going to be criticized the most. Right. You're going to be the president of the United States, whether you got voted for or not, half the country hates you from the, the moment you take office. They didn't vote for you. Like, that's just the reality of the presidency. Right. So then you look at, OK, you know, you have however many people love this president, however many people hate this president. You still have the president. And they're going to be criticized every single day in every news outlet, no matter what. You take the same with Elon Musk. Elon Musk, arguably five, six years ago, wasn't a household name. If you were in the tech space, it was. You, it was if you yeah. were outside the tech space or outside business, you did not know who Elon Musk was. You didn't know who Mark Zuckerberg was until probably 2008 or 2006. When, when he bought Instagram. Well, I would say before that, but like you really didn't know who he was in in the early stages. When's the first time you heard, and you might be different because you're in the space, when's the first time you've heard of Jeff Bezos? Probably was 97. No. So what I'm saying, like these people started out at some level. When you look back and say, well, how long has Tesla and SpaceX been around? And you find out SpaceX, I think, has been around for 20 years. You're like, Really? Like, I just heard Elon in the last, like, handful of years. Well, yeah, he was working and busting his ass on a bunch of stuff at the very onset. I'm not saying every decision he makes is good. Every decision I make is not good. And, again, I am a a, a drop of water in someone like Elon's ocean of right. business success. I screw up stuff all day long. I'm not under a magnifying glass. Right. So his anything he does is going to be blown up. Now, you could say you kind of went back before Elon Musk – or like these tech people, they're human. Elon Musk is a human. Like I think at the I, end of the day, and this is where I think people, and again, I agree that he has raised a certain level where he has to be treated differently, pure, not because of a human element, but because of his amount of influence on the world. Yeah. So I do agree that he's got a level of responsibility. I also believe that Elon at the end of the day is a human just like you or I and has faults and does stupid stuff and sends stupid memes and sends, you know, and says dumb stuff. Like we all do every day. Right. It's just he happens to anytime he makes a tweet, it goes on national news. I make a tweet, five people see it. You know what I mean? It's just right. different. It, it's different, but it also at the end of the day on my on my scorecard, I want to be supporting people that I would actually want to be hanging out with. Well, I mean, I would love to hang out with Elon, but I would say from a, do I think that would it be the best person to have in charge if you're looking for a very stable, you know, uh, a job or career? Maybe not. And again, the people at Twitter 
didn't have a choice. Didn't have a choice, right. So, like, I get that. But I also get how many people at Twitter, and I don't know the numbers or this even happened, how many people voluntarily just left because he was coming on. A lot. And I, and I would think it would be. I don't know the numbers, yeah. but I, I would assume that it was pretty high based on ideology differences. Right. So my whole thought is, you know, you're always going to have some level of that. You see it at a local level. Someone right. takes over the company. Like, I hate that person. I'm leaving. You might lose two employees right. of, of 20 people. And Twitter might lose 1,000 employees of 5,000 people 5, 000, right. or whatever that is. A lot of the percentages and numbers, you just, you know, obviously you're scaling up. And then you put him under the magnifying glass. So I do think there he's not perfect. I would say at the end of the day, though, he is an outlier in many regards. And that doesn't – and again, I, th- I think I heard this the other day. Like someone said, I'm not taking marital advice from Elon Musk. Like I wouldn't either. I wouldn't take parenting advice right. from Elon Musk. Right. But from his brilliance on what he's good at, and when you kind of go back to like – like we just talked about earlier in the podcast. Like, I want to offload stuff I don't like to do and I'm not good at. Like, that's – I have to work at that. Elon still has to work at that. But Elon has gotten himself to a position where he can really work on the 1% that he's good at. And the 99, right. he outsources. Right. So the 99, if you're judging him on the 99 part of it, will just realize like those are weaknesses. And really, if you asked Elon Musk, he's probably only good in life at a handful of things. I mean, just in general. Right. like. I would say, is Elon Musk as good at, you know, could Elon Musk sell real estate as well as I could? I don't know. I'd probably say no because that's what I've learned and he doesn't really have that right. level. And not Elon Musk as like Elon Musk shows up and sells you a house as Elon Musk today. I'm saying right. like that just physically you don't know right. who this guy is. He shows up, sells a house, and he's brand new. You know, is he – you know, and then you start like looking. It's like, but no, he's really good at a certain few things and that's all he does. Is re- And he's a research development guy. He's even said it. He goes, yep. he's engineer first. He's not HR. He's not like CEO. He's not COO. He's had to grow into those cert- certain roles. Um, I agree. He's not perfect and I don't think any of these people are perfect. Like Steve Jobs. Like a lot of people are like, I don't like Steve Jobs. He was an absolute dick to people. Yes, but then you also hear Steve Jobs' side of it is that he was trying to bring out the absolute best in people and push people. And some people didn't like that. But what he did was he pushed those people out and the best people aligned with him to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. And you could say, like, I don't like the way he went about doing that. Totally fine. You're in your right to say you don't agree with him. You can't deny that he's got, I think, what, Apple's the the most valued company in the world right now. Yeah. And when he came back on, it was almost bankrupt. Right. So you could say like he was mean to employees and hurt people's feelings and did all this. I'm like, not denying that. And he's not denying that. He he probably looks at it like this was mission critical and that's what I was focused on. And I honestly wasn't focused on a bunch of stuff that was important to you. And it's not because he is a bad person or doesn't care. But when you get scaled out, like you're talking, no offense, if Elon's talking about 3,000 employees that he doesn't know who they are and they're literally a number because he just took them over and now you got 3,000 people. I would join that and say I got 3,000 people. These numbers don't make sense. We got to make cuts. But I don't know that person personally. I'm looking – like you're looking at – Elon's looking at a data sheet with a bunch of numbers and facts and figures. He's not looking at Johnny, Susie, and Carly. They're all sitting in a line that know each other's kids and home life and where they're from and all this stuff. He doesn't have time to learn that. I'm not saying his decisions are great. I'm just saying I can understand if it's truly coming from him at the top saying cut these people out. Like he doesn't have time to sit there and like read through 
3,000 people and be like, God, this person looks like a good, oh, they have two kids and they're from the, like, just realistically, like, for, that's for, not going to happen. For, for sure. I'm but... being facetious, but I'm saying, like, this is not, you know, so then you look at, like, but you're always going to blame the top person. And Elon's also at a point where his skin is probably so thick that he's like, I don't really like. No, but he, he uses Twitter as like a joke place and a, and a meme meme dump. And yeah, but the issue I have is if he's saying stuff and people are reading it and then going and acting on these things that he's saying. I agree. Yep. Then that's not good. Correct. Or well, you're playing with people's lives at that point. And right. And yes. that and at that point, that is. That's too much. I agree. I agree on that. I don't, I don't, um, from, from like business stuff, that's totally different, but from like, like human being making sure that everyone that has Twitter in their bio is, you know, like I work at Twitter, Mm -hmm. like that should be a badge of honor. If you're the CEO that you have people putting your company in their social. Yeah. I, yeah and and again i'll go back to like this guy is also hasn't lived a normal life i'm not saying like but i'm saying because of the scale and success and where he's at his life his normal or whatever you know what i'm talking about like his normal is way different than most people absolutely so like you gotta look at like this guy's normal is not that normal and you almost have to treat him as like a different your expectation of him has to be different just because you know the stuff that he's thinking about and doing is just different. And this is every high-level person. You get a high-level musician, they're quirky. High-level artists, yeah. they're quirky. So, but I will agree. I, I do think playing with people's livelihood when you're just, you know, randomly like sitting on the couch somewhere and popping in a, a message and like, huh, this would be funny. I wonder what this, and he put it. And then all of a sudden now you just struck fear through a thousand people in your company. Cause like, wait, wait. And they, it's not like they can just walk up and like knock on your door and be like, "Hey, Elon, that text was that just a joke you just posted, or was that real?" They right. don't have that access to them. No, they're, like you said, they're no. they may be three states away doing work, right? And, and like, hey, uh, Elon at Twitter dot com, was this true? Like, right? He's not getting those emails, you know. No. So I I agree on that. I think that 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 level's tough. It, it's it, it's the spy, it's the Spider Man thing. It's the with great, great power, power comes, comes great responsibility, and you need to be. If you are at that level and that level of a player, mm-hmm. you need to make sure that the way you act and handle situations is... I mean, that's a knock on Donald Trump. Like I'm just saying like you have someone that's very polarizing in the most powerful position in the world, and you have him rattling off tweets that offend people or... Terrifying. Throw, and, and you get that. And like I could sit there and say, I don't like... Not a big deal, not a big deal, but it depends on who it's affecting. So if people, and some people obviously have different levels of concern. I mean, we know all people that are more, you know, a small, like one word might trigger them a certain way and might not have any effect on someone else. Right. So you have a whole spectrum of, of millions of people, tens of millions of people, hundreds of millions of people that I can see that people got, you know, a tweet offended them and you know, and I've had this conversation with people. It's like, I don't agree a tweet. Like him sending out a tweet, should he clean up like the way that he communicates via Twitter and would probably have a more cohesive people that like him? Absolutely. Right. But, you know, but then again, you got to also think. But of, also, why isn't this person at this level? Why doesn't he have a PR person? 
Why doesn't he have a group of people but, that goes? But I think you do. But I think at a certain level, it's like a lot of people that are at a certain level. They just don't care. They live a different life. And I'm yeah. not saying they're different people. But I'm saying if you get exposed to a certain level of fame or popularity or or having a say or having, you know, um, you know, if you, like take someone that's got a level of um, let's just say social social status yeah. and you come in as a low level intern, most likely that person's going to be intimidating to you. Most likely if that person told you to jump, you would jump. It's just the way that human nature is because right. you have built this up that this person, like if Elon Musk walked in right now and asked me like, I think you should do this on, you know, for your podcast, I, I would probably consider it because I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like he would know more about this than I do. And maybe that's a lack of, um, uh, what's the word? Or let's not take it, Elon, bad example. Joe Rogan walks in. Joe's like, yeah, you should do this, this, and this. Like I got the most powerful podcast in the world. He probably knows a thing or two about podcasting. I'm probably going to listen to him versus some random person off the street comes up and like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think you should do this, this, and this. I'm like, who, who are you? Right. So there is a level of that, but I'm I agree. Like when you have a certain level of responsibility, the problem is sometimes those people in responsibility don't have the filter that you wish they had right. because they're so like, I would expect you to filter your stuff a little bit better in myself than Elon Musk. Yeah. But I also know that like, he could say somehow I could say some outrageous thing and piss off half the people in my feed and that's detrimental to my business. Right. As I don't talk politics. Like I you're never if you talk politics, you're never gonna make out good. You're gonna piss off fifty percent of the people right. on the drop of a hat. Elon Musk could do it and he's got FU money and doesn't care. Right. Like so I mean it's just like a different like everybody's human, but there's a certain level of like you build up this social clout, which I'm not saying is good or bad. It's good in certain things. It's, it's terrible it, in certain it's, things. It's how you use it. It's and I agree. Do I think from from a innovation thinking processing developing standpoint, I think Elon is off the charts amazing. But with that, again, we're all human. We have twenty four hours in a day, and you can only be good at so many things. Right. You're not going to be good at that. Like I'm not good at a lot of things. Like if I really broke down my life, I have like four things I really focus on in my life. I don't focus on eight, right? Which is not a high number. But you know what I mean? Like I can only be good at a few things. And I'm not even saying great. I can only be above average at certain things. Right. Like tech is – I and I enjoy tech stuff. I wouldn't even put tech even remotely close in those four things of things I'm right. knowledgeable on. Where you right. would be like, great. Right. I'm like real estate's up there for me. But, you know, some other – even some subsets of real estate, I'm like, wouldn't even be in my top four. Right. Because it's such a massive category. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a wild – well, I thought I do like Elon. I disagree with the way that he goes about certain which, broadcasting which I, things. I, I would like to, you know, and you have a, you have a much you're more on the ground level because you know people there. I don't, so I right. don't have that human connection right. with these. People. And I mean, yeah, I think that's a lot of it too. Is like knowing at the end of the day, if I'm trying to provide for a family, and somebody comes in and goes, "Hey, you Absolutely. don't work here anymore." I'm not going to be a super big fan of <laughs> the person that just came in and just cut wherever. All your buddies or whatever the case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and like I, I get where you're coming from business-wise, but it's just like like on my deathbed, I want to be known for not being, you know, internet meme lord. Yeah. Like that's... And, <laughs> and I think you, you look at, you know, I think uh, 
yeah, it just comes down to the person. Like, I don't think, you know, you're going to, everybody, you're going to have a ton of people that criticize Jeff Bezos, ton of people that criticize Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, you name it. There's going to be criticism. Every president's going to have people that absolutely hate that person. Right. But you just realize when you, it's like, I mean, strip it down to a much smaller level. Name me a school administrator anywhere in America that is loved by everybody. Right. You're not. You're in a leadership right. position. Right. Take take any principal, any, you know, whatever around here. You will see people on Facebook bashing them because they have to make public decisions that people are not going to like. And that's right. just the reality of it. And, like, I think about that stuff in decisions we make. Like, who's this going to piss off? You know, right. you don't try to piss people off, but you no. just know what not everybody's going to agree with you. But once you scale those decisions out, my decision for – you know, a couple dozen people is different than a school district for a few hundred, which is different than Twitter, which is millions. Right. So I just think, yeah, it, like, it's just kind of one where it's it's a good debate. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad. I do think I'm going to bet on someone like Elon. I don't think Twitter is going to get run to the ground. I think it's going to evolve into something. And I've also heard ways that he's purely buying the all the data that Twitter has to turn it into something different, which right. would be the equivalent of me buying like certain lists or data points for something locally. Like I'm trying to use that to build something different. And if I have to buy something, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's like chess, yeah. but just obviously at a worldly scale versus me making decisions in rural upstate New York. Right. So for sure it's, it's, it's fun. But Emmett, I, 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 I actually, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you say. I'm just, I think I'm poking the dog here, but it, um, it was it's fun. Um, but Emmett, if um, people want to connect with you, how can they do so? Where can they do so? And I don't know if you know your company. I don't as well. If people need to use your company, you can give a plug there. Or if you just want people to connect with you, just, how do they do so? Just connect. Um... Yeah, I mean, Emmett Naughton on... LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, emmanotten.com, and reach out there. And Coder Dads. We didn't even we didn't even touch on Coder Dads. No, we did last episode. That's why I didn't yeah. want to harp on that. But <laughs> um, no, I mean, always a good time. I, like I said, I I, uh, I love watching you from at least LinkedIn. I'm not on Twitter, but the LinkedIn version and seeing stuff yeah. and just kind of just really seeing. Um, I've noticed a growth in you over the last year on that, where I think you're like you're getting traction and you're building on that, which is cool mm-hmm. and it's fun to fun to watch because I'm not learned 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 skill by practice. Yes, so. and you've done a tremendous job, and I think it's snowballing for yeah. you. And uh, you know, like I said, I always enjoy talking to you and, and learning and and uh, debating you on stuff that I know nothing really about. <laughs> that you're much smarter. Um, but that's it. That's episode two thirty, Gail and Trombley show. We're out. Thank you for listening to The Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.